Welcome to the AP Podcast. This is Mike Shea. My guests today are the band members of the Somerset. The Scottsdale, Arizona area band have been together since 2007-ish. I'm going to get that clarified. And consists of Brian Dales on vocals, Jess Bowen on drums, John Gomez on guitar, and it also has a piano and backup vocals and I think cooking and a couple other things. Cooking. <laughs> cooking, yes. We're going to talk about important. that too. Stephen Gomez on bass and Josh Montgomery on guitar. They broke out in 2009 with their debut record, Love Like This, which included the super infectious hit single, Chelsea, which has now become a nightly must-perform for the band worldwide. Pretty much everywhere they play, they need to play that song. In the spring of 2010, actually, they performed on our very own AP tour, along with Every Avenue, The Cab, Hey Monday, and Never Shout Number. You guys may remember that tour a little bit. I can't forget that, a broken foot. That's okay, there we are. <laughs> we will talk about that. 2011 saw the release of their follow-up album, Everything's Fine. They toured the world. And the individual band members kind of began to break out on their own, moving around a little bit, and even getting into some co-writing and other activities. They are currently on the road headlining the Wake Up and Be Awesome tour as they prepare to launch their four, third, third, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself by a couple years, third full-length record, Legendary, which has already generated quite a bit of fan insanity with the teaser song, Fuck You Over, and the first single, Maybe Tonight. The band will be playing Warp Tour all of this summer. The band's website is thesomersetband.com. If you go to the Somerset, you're going to get nothing. And their Twitter is a, a rather confusing Twitter, twitter.com slash the underscore summer underscore set. I don't know how many times I've tweeted the band just putting the Somerset and gotten somebody. Um, <laughs> whoever, whoever started that Twitter, I hate. So, so let's talk they about that for a second. Will you guys explain what the hell happened with your Twitter? Someone decided to make a band Twitter before we decided to make a band Twitter. So. Wow. Squatters of the Somerset Squatters. Twitter account. And they won't give it back. Yeah. And they won't give it back. No, they Apparently don't play they're not giving it back. Do you guys even know where they are? Do you I even know, know who it is? No idea. I don't know where they are. Also, our, our Wikipedia page is out of control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. It's it probably says... Every, every it's probably day. the same guy. I think it's probably this one guy who just is betting on us to lose. <laughs> He's just <laughs> trying... Is betting on us to fail. We have a band member named Piano Cat. Yeah. The last right. time I ever checked our Wikipedia page, there was a six <laughs> member of our band named Piano Cat. That's I'm, actually awesome. Wait, though. you guys have never met Piano Cat? But are before? they cutting in the royalties? That's the question. Well, yeah, absolutely. And the public, absolutely. Yeah, they actually. Piano Cat is a little bigger cut than the rest of us. It would figure. <laughs> well, Cat seemed to get a lot more YouTube commercials. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, totally. What, uh, so, so do you guys ever, uh, uh, admittedly, go in and change your own Wikipedia page? Never. I've never done. I, I don't even know, know how to I do that. I think that's the reason Piano Cat still exists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, guys, I must confess, I put Piano Cat there. You actually, you are Piano Cat. I you am Piano Cat. You are Piano Cat. And you own the Twitter. You have the Twitter. I have the Twitter too. Oh, I'm just trying to mind us. fuck everyone. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Well, all right. So, so before this turns into a mayhem here, uh, I think for all your non-fans that don't know your voices, why don't we start to my right, uh, and we'll go around and introduce yourself so everybody can kind of put your name with your voice. Hey, uh, I'm Brian Dales, and I sing for the Somerset. I am John Gomez, and I play guitar and piano and apparently cook for the Somerset. I'm Stephen Gomez, and I play bass for the Somerset. I'm Jess Bowen, and I'm the girl in the band. <laughs> and uh, you play drums. And I play drums sometimes. And I am Josh Montgomery, and I play guitar. Well, you know, I brought up the culinary thing because there was a story uh, the year you graduated high school, and your mom, Jean? Yes. <laughs> your mom made a quote saying that um, you were going to finish college and uh, it was in, it was in, it was in both of y both of your uh, futures that you were going to finish college and mm -hmm. um, that you were either going to get into something to do with the music business side of things yes. uh, or you were going to go uh, into uh, 
um, some sort of culinary interest. Yes, that was true. That was actually one of the. Uh, that was actually one of the what? things. When did the, when did your mother ever say this? And how does Mike I don't know, know your mom's name? I'm <laughs> did you talk Mike, to my mom? Mike, yeah, I'm freaked out. It's a that cougar been, thing. It's a cougar <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm terrified you've been talking to my mom. But uh, yeah, no, I actually did think about going to uh, cooking. I mean, cooking's like creative kind of thing as well. And I always said like. And my parents always like know something about me. I, I would probably never be able to sit behind a desk. So the idea of like being in a kitchen and like it was definitely something I was like into, as well as growing up with her cooking, helping her all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, cooking is a huge part of our band. Actually, think about it. Every Thanksgiving we do. John and I are in the kitchen. I love it. Uh, first record in the hotel room. We had the fire alarm go off every night. <laughs> just making, just chefing up stuff. Nashville. When- for everything's fine, chefing up, chefing up every setting night. up fire alarms. Oh my God, you are a chef. <laughs> I got you, and, and you have a problem with fire every, alarms. Every I apparently am not every the time best John chef. John starts but cooking. I actually just get really hey guys, nervous. guys, <laughs> it's a passion. I might not be great at it yet, but it's a passion nonetheless. Fair. Jess is a way better cook than John is. Really? Yeah, Jess yeah, also I, makes the greatest I make guacamole. Amazing I've ever guacamole. Had. And actually, one night Brian had me make it for him, and that was the night I pretty much sliced open my finger. Ooh, yeah, but also I that. that. Yeah. I, I think also that same night, legendary was written so it was, I, I think you're right. so it was because of my guacamole because of your guacamole that I, I wrote the, and because you the were greatest sad, accident and because i was anti-social that piece weird, of shit but, so the guacamole <laughs> should be cutting out on the publishing seriously the guacamole, is, guacamole gets part of the mm. actually, it's, it's funny it's a future record is it in the thank yous is it in the thank yous yeah we thank oh, the guacamole i cannot believe you guys didn't thank my guacamole no, <laughs> uh, you're cre- uh, the guacamole is credited i'm gonna be very offended songwriting perfect well to get back to um your mom yeah uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, how do you know their mom's name? I don't, quote of the just century. things, things, <laughs> things in the universe happen. Um, so the story is, is that you, that, well, you know, the, I don't know. See, here's the thing. When you're a band, the, the, after a while, the, the interview answers start to become their own myth and their own mm, version yeah, yeah. of things of reality and so forth. So what I'm going to try and do to, to, during this, this interview is try and find it to separate the myth from you know the reality and kind of figure out what actually happened so supposedly the story is around sixth grade uh your first concert was a blink 182 no doubt concert yes yes or was was, was that much earlier than that it was a you were in seventh grade i was a freshman yeah i was in seventh grade and it was the the last blink Blink 182 us uh, us tour before they they had their high they went on their highest so if anybody was to sit here i mean and let me clarify this too if somebody was sit there and say they found the band they just they started the band it's, it seems like it kind of directs back to you a lot. Is that pretty? Is that true as well? It actually was. It me. actually it was starts more with Steven. Steven. Me and it was both of Jess. you. Okay. Yeah. Right, okay. Okay. Actual. Well, the real story is. I mean, me and Jess. We were we were in eighth grade. We were like thirteen years old, and I, I just started learning how to play bass. I had some classes with her, and I had been playing drums in the school band. Yeah. So. Um, so it was me and actually um, Kennedy from the main actually. It was right. the three of us. Kennedy brought started playing together, and I didn't want to take John. He didn't <laughs> really play guitar; he played violin. But Gene, <laughs> yeah. we, we Jean, still don't. Gene, right. this is where my mom steps. But in. my mom made me bring my little brother to practice. He's like, "You're taking your brother." It's like, fine, I'll take my brother. And um, <laughs> and we were trying to learn a song, and um. Like there was only one electric guitar. guitar yeah, and one Kennedy was like bass. playing, trying to learn it, and he just started playing guitar too. It was a like, Blink One Eighty Two song. Yeah, it was a Blink song. It was it, all the small things. And he was kind of struggling with it, and John just like was sitting in the corner with like an old like Spanish guitar because you wouldn't because wouldn't play let him electric. play the electric yeah. guitar, and he like learned it, and we're like, oh wait, yeah, you can play. <laughs> you yeah. can be in the band. you can be in this band. <laughs> and that's how 
uh, I mean the basic, like the basic. That's how it kind of started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the three yeah. of you guys have now been playing together over ten, 10 years. years. Ten years, yeah. As uh, a three-piece, and it, eleven years. I met, uh, yeah. I met Stephen because I went to high school with Stephen and John. Uh, just went to a separate high school, and so did Brian. But so was that was that Seguro? How do you pronounce it? Saguaro High School. cactus. So how many of you guys went to the same high school? It's three of us. Three of us. The Gomez brothers and myself. Okay. And I met Stephen at a my band was playing. It was called Winter Courts. It was for what's that? Like a festival. What's that? Winter formal. Winter formal high school thing. And so my band was playing, and then Stephen showed up while you know we were loading up our, you know tiny combo amps and oh my god we were so terrible but we thought we thought we were amazing there was a mosh pit during our set but steven showed up he's like hey dude i'm steven and uh you you were playing sick transit glory on bass and i was like oh dude i love brand new i just got deja and josh was in the band that we actually the three of us like they were like the popular local band like they you wanted to be friends with them so we looked up to josh's other band and somehow now with this band I've lost all coolness. In <laughs> it really turned around for the worse. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But you were you were in you were in the high school band, or were you were in? I was band? in I was in the middle school band. You so I started by playing in jazz band. So he knew I was actually. I mean, in our school, it was a pretty small school. I was the yeah. only drummer. I think one of the only drummers. Yeah, I didn't really know drummer. anyone else. Yeah. And so we just kind of were like, let's do this. And we started. Yeah. It was just middle school, band. and then I think the first like one of the first official shows we played was our eighth Sadie grade. Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins dance. dance. Yeah. I was in sixth grade. We they were in eighth, eighth grade. grade, and it was like, yeah, the whole dance we played. We just like, played like Blink Blink Green Day, like, songs. Green Day, like MXPX, MXPX, Newfound Glory. She sang. We all sang a song. Yeah, I sang. Which one did I sing? Damn it! Damn it! And you had wireless wireless mic like like a boy band like out of back there on the drums. Is there a video? Of yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sure my parents have. Oh, yeah. oh, All I want in my life is to see the video of just singing "Damn It," yeah. Yeah. right while playing with the headphone mic. Yeah, maybe yeah. Gene has it. Gene definitely has, has it. it. Gene has it. Gene has it for sure. I mean, you would know better than me if he <laughs> has it because apparently you know more. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if Gene her. has called my text my mom. <laughs> you oh. officially know more about John than I do. <laughs> Well, that, I don't know if that's if that's good or bad for you. I don't yeah. know. I had no idea John was <laughs> so supposed to be a cook. So, <laughs> so there's two other high schools in the mix here. So, what were the yeah. other two other high schools? I went to Chaparral High School, which was actually the we rival rival high school. Rival. Oh, yeah, okay. with with them, yeah. Like football wise. And I went to a high school called Cactus Shadows High School, like 25 minutes north. All right, so Brian didn't, didn't come. Brian didn't come till later. Yeah, that was, was 2007. So your school's in uh, the Gomez Brothers. Your school uh, is in uh, Tucson, Scottsdale. Scott, or, so that was Scottsdale. Okay. Yeah, we're all Scottsdale. So we're Scottsdale. all Scottsdale. Yeah. Scottsdale, and yours wasn't. Yours was Cave Creek. Scott, Cave Creek, which is like just north of Scottsdale. Yeah, so sure. I mean, it's a matter of like 20 minutes. Also, at our minutes. high school, Kennedy went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kennedy yeah, Brock went because um, we played in a band. We played in a, that band that we all started. It was me, Jess. Uh, Steven and Kennedy, we were in that band for I mean until like, 2004. Until 2004. Years what was that name of that band yeah. again? We Last Call for Camden. Last Call for Camden. That's right. That's right. Also, it was actually uh, an EP of Kennedy. He was our singer on yeah. it. So he's yeah, obviously yeah. S- switched places now in the main. But is that, is that, is that one of those antiquated pure volume pages that's still up with the? Yeah, I think, I think so. Oh, yeah. My little brother was in the band as well. My little brother for a moment. Yeah. So yeah, that is a. And then I guess in 2007, Kennedy. Kennedy left their band to kind of join the main, and I just remember I was like, I knew of their last, I knew about Last Call for Camden, their their high school band, like I'd seen them on like flyers for local shows and whatnot, and I, uh, my sophomore year of high school, kind of started playing acoustic with a friend of mine, just in like coffee shops in Cave Creek, mostly covers and whatnot, but my friend graduated the year before me, and he was going to like film school in California, and it was my senior, about to start my senior year of high school, and I was like, okay, do I keep doing the singing thing, or do I keep like 
trying to play sports to connect shadows or what do I do? And I saw like a MySpace message from Last Call for Camden at a sorry, I saw a MySpace message from Last Call for Camden at on, on, on at like seven in the morning on a Saturday saying I don't know why I was up. I was the one who posted it. I don't know why I was up. Steven like posted a message saying Last call for Camden. Like we're, uh, they were, uh, announced, like they were breaking up and they were looking to start a new band with a new singer. And just for some reason, I was awake at 7 a.m. on a Saturday. I think I was going to take my SATs, which is ironic because I didn't do anything with them. But uh, I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I bailed on my SATs. I responded to the message saying, "Hey, uh, I sing." Blah 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 blah. And a couple, like a week later, I come over to Gene's house. I went over to Gene's <laughs> house and I, uh, I went over to Gene's house and. You were the only person that actually responded, the and the only one we tried out. That, yeah. I know it's because I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. So when did you always did? You, when did you decide you wanted to be like a singer, or did you want to? I, did, I didn't. It pretty much happened by accident. By accident. We um, kind of decided for him. Because oh, decided for mm-hmm. me. You you think, have a choice. Like, at, that, at this point, like we had all been, um, we had all been doing the local band thing forever. So like me and Steven were like super. Like, this was, like, how we identified ourselves in high school. Like, this yeah. is what we did. Like, we would fly her for local shows. Like, I remember flying for a Rocket Summer show when Hello, Good Friend came out. So, like, me and Steven were kind of, like, super obsessed with this stuff. So, like, yeah. we were all over MySpace. We were, like, flying, and we were, like, kind of, like, me and him were kind of, like, we're going to be, like, the biggest band ever. Like, that's what we want to do. Yeah. Like, all this stuff. And it's Brian kind of came along, and I know, like, well, Brian guess, was let doing, me, like... Let me was, take it back even further than that. Um... Like I guess how I started becoming a singer was, uh, I mean, I've, music's kind of always been in my life, but it was kind of in the background. Like I played at Cactus Shadows. I mean, I, I I played a couple different sports at Cactus Shadows, and my sophomore year of high school, uh, I was a, there was a girl I really really liked in my sophomore class, and uh, she was like in our school's student government, and somehow because I just wanted to be around her more often, I decided to join our school student government, which was a really stupid idea, but. Uh, you're such a student government kid. I, I know. So I said, what, 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 what was your position in the? Uh, I didn't really have one. But, oh, uh, okay. he just hung out. He was, was a hung groupie, out. a studio group. I was a, I was a groupie of a bunch of girls. Student government student groupie. Student government. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, but uh, the sophomore class of our school student government every year ran our school's like battle of the bands I, uh, event, and it was all a bunch of girls who had no idea what they were doing. So somehow I kind of got put like put in charge of this thing, and I didn't know what I was doing either. But I had this idea of having an acoustic stage like in the lobby while bands in between bands in the main stage so that there was no downtime people could go watch people play acoustic in the lobby but I So didn't the Warp Tour acoustic ten years tour. beforehand Exactly so I should get credit <laughs> for that. Yeah, yeah you but, should. Uh, you need to talk to Kevin. I will talk to Kevin about that one. But uh I didn't get not enough people signed up to play acoustic was kind of the problem. So the night before me and like my one friend who played guitar uh learned like five covers in his garage I'd never sang in front of anyone in my entire life and we played and it was the coolest feeling ever and it kind of never really stopped after that and then one by one I quit every sport I played and that girl I really liked turned out to be like the worst person in the world <laughs> and the rest was history. Yeah, around what year was this overly. as well? Like 2005 to 2007? This would have been 2005. So music was at an all-time high for yeah. for music for within the scene. Oh, yeah, the like, first oh, song yeah. I ever sang, with, God, it was either Champagne Supernova by Oasis or the first single by The Format. The Format. I just remember I mean, playing a bunch of covers. When you think of... The core of this band is truly John, Stephen, and Jess. They they had persevered through the scene. My band had broken up and dispersed. I I was a CNA working at a hospital, and Kennedy hit me up and was like, "Yo, uh, I've joined this band. 
uh, we're called the main, like we're looking for a guitar. So I was like, nah, man, I'm kind of over that. I'm kind of over this whole music thing. Uh, it's just, it's just a passion. It's just for fun. And then John and Steven and Jess found Brian and they formed we the Somerset. We were in, yeah, we were in high school. And, and uh, you were in high school. Were you out yet, I, I, was, I was going you to ASU. Yeah. Jess was going to U of you A. Were two of, uh, yeah. The two of us, me and John, were in high school. So they had demos, and my life took a turn of crazy events, and we don't even need to open that can of worms. But mm-hmm. it was really insane. And uh, Stephen hit me up on MySpace, of all places, and said, hey, we've got a singer. Uh, we're, we're about to get signed to the Militia Group. Do you want to play guitar, possibly? Live. Live. I was not that easy. I was a live member. They really really made (laughs) me work for it. It was ridiculous. But in my life, after a lot of crazy stuff, I was like, I just need to have fun. Like, the sun's crazy. And I would pick you up every day after school. I was a junior in high school, and I would go to your rundown college... House. Little college den. I'd like to call it a little hamster cage. It was just you don't have uh, to church it up. I was living was, with a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was, was really was, bad. Which is like a hamster cage. It was it, exactly it was a hamster cage. It was and real I remember bad. me just being a like a junior in high school. I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. Like I come over and like I can like smoke a cigarette here. Like whoa, oh, like so Josh bad. is the coolest. Guy. I was such a horrible influence. He was so terrible. Sorry. I find terrible. myself nowadays saying I'm sorry to people. They're like, hey, <laughs> met you back at this tour. You know, two Ooh. years. Go, I'm like, sorry. About <laughs> I just remember, that. I just remember picking you up. We would go uh, rehearse at like Border Studios down Tempe, and you didn't have a car or a cell phone, so I'd have to just show up at your house Pick and you hope up. you were you there. And I remember I you'd remember have a cell getting, phone. It was a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have a cell phone, so I'd show up at your house, your drug dealer's house, by the way, where I couldn't call you, and I'd pick you up, and I just remember twice getting a fucking no right turn on red ticket at the end of your street uh, just how could i, I forget i'm to, so the generous guy picking you up i'm very fortunate there's a good chance i had weed somewhere on my persons i, I don't think smoke I, pot anymore but <laughs> i thought it was just the I greatest think, thing in the world i think i still owe mm. the city of phoenix like a thousand dollars and no right turn on red tickets and that's why i moved uh, out of phoenix now so so i never have to pay those so we uh, yeah we had really interesting beginnings from middle school all the way to high school and then you know I guess dropping out of college dropping out of college yeah to doing kind this. of this is happening. Committing your life to touring strike, yeah. and starting touring the country for 20 kids. And <clears throat> that was just like, for all of us, a great awakening. You know, now that I think about it, it, I loved it. The I, Somerset's kind of like a real life catfish situation. I didn't meet you guys. I met you guys on the internet. <laughs> it is catfish. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, no, we but I mean, it worked out. Usually, yeah. Yeah, I, we didn't I get knew catfished. Them. Yeah, we, we didn't, didn't end catfished. up like, you were talking to me and Steven <laughs> on MySpace. We didn't end up being like some like middle-aged cross-dresser. You know, we were actually yeah. who we said we were. You're no, the catfish. I mean, we realized later on that Steven and I had probably met each other and been to a lot of the same, the same shows. shows. And I was, I mean, I was very familiar with, like, their band. I had heard them. We were super popular at that point. <laughs> we had we had yeah. mastered the art of flyering shows in relatable types of music. We'd be like, that bit, people who like that band might kind of like our band. Well, let's hop in the car. Let's bring some flyers. Let's be real. We were just really good at selling tickets, and that's the only reason yeah. people put us on the local yeah, shows. Yeah, that's exactly Because we had... 
We would beg our friends. So was the hustle. We did have a lot of friends. We'd go to the local mall. We'd go to the local mall. We had like a bunch of like, me and my friends, it was like MySpace had just happened and like we were at the perfect age, like teenagers, right when it had happened. So like the perfect age to be social on that. So we nailed it. Started becoming like finding out how to kind of almost like troll really well on MySpace. (laughs) And then we'd go to our local mall, Fashion Square Mall, and we'd be like, hey, meet us here at Friday from 7 to 9. We'll be sitting in the food court and come buy tickets. And we'd sell like 50 or 100 tickets to a local show. And the rest was was history. We were building fans before shows were actually well i mean yeah I guess no, exactly. some no we started promoting happened, the band before we did but the show but yeah show i mean and some people knew last call for camden but when i joined the band we, we john and i would meet up at like nine in the morning and we'd sit at this uh stu- studio in tempe and from legitimately nine till seven at night i would sit on myspace all people. day and find different bands within you know, our scene that we're buzzing. So, so and we'd like, add them as friends. And we'd add them all day, go, just go, go. thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Do you of think people. to a certain extent it was easier for bands um, to do that back then than it is now? No, I think, I think it, I, no, I feel yes. like I, I, I think that was work a, like that. I think that helped I will, a lot. Yeah, I, absolutely. But you, we found you can, I mean, we found you can kind of do it on Twitter too. I mean, you can kind of do it. I think it's changed a little bit, but I mean, I'm, I think, I think the answer to your question is I do think it's a lot harder now. It's, absolutely. It, there's, it's just, just, there's so much of it going on, and it. At first, I think the reaction was, "Oh, cool! Who's this new band? I want to check it out." Because, like I said, like when MySpace was just starting, it was this really interesting, really can like easy way to connect people. And now it's just the norm, and it's kind of I annoying. Think it's annoying now, so people don't like it. I, I I feel like it's not as much of that. There's no curiosity anymore. With you know, especially YouTube, you know, blew up even after MySpace. Everyone's posting their I mean, there's a video, and then there's a reaction to the video. Video, then there's an opinion video, and everyone has an opinion. Everyone has their own YouTube channel, and it's just kind of. I, I think it might be. It's it's just it changing. I don't know. I, I believe. I believe. I I disagree. Um, I disagree only because there was a lot of that going on with MySpace as well, and we were nobody breaking into a scene, so it was very hard. Um. It's just changing. It's I guess always, you could say it's YouTube always is kind of the new things are, MySpace. Things it's are kind very, of the new forefront. Things are very image-based now. I mean, it's Instagram. It's how people look. It's who this new artist is. What do they look like? And uh, Yeah, I'm talking on the ideological sense of do you think the internet is harder to break than it used to be when it was new? And I would say I think yeah, I that, that is totally now new. I mean, I, I, I do think it's harder. I, think, I, I just think uh-huh. it's a little bit. There's just more people doing it. But I do agree that it has just changed a little bit. I think it's just kind of moved. Formats from, are just changing. I think it's yeah. yeah. I think it's MySpace for us. It's YouTube now. So has it forced you guys to sit there with every single release, whether it's a single or a record or whatever, there, and have to sit there in the first meeting you have with Mike Kaminsky, your manager, and and uh, Amanda and so forth, and maybe the label. Um, you have to sit there and go, okay, this is how the machine operates this six month period. We have to do the exact opposite. Like you have to feel like you have to reinvent how you release a record, or I feel like you have to reinvent and also follow follow it in a way. But <clears> yeah. you know, try to you, do, you try do something to trick people. I mean, try to follow yeah. the way. But you're almost. I feel like I feel like in a sense of marketing, it's it's you're kind of tricking people. I mean, the same tricks. There's only so many tricks in the book, but it's you like kind of the disguise P, them like in the different P. ways. Mind fuck and get them to the group. yeah. <laughs> kind of disguise it in a different way so that people don't know that they're kind of doing the same thing everyone else has been doing. Like I mean, we just we we were baffled by Facebook like, like two years ago. 
we had no idea. We're still trying to figure out. Like, that's a really closed circuit thing. I mean, Facebook's done a really good job of I making Facebook. I don't understand Facebook. Yeah, like, <laughs> but that's what I think. Facebook's done a really good job of making it a very personal thing. Like, I always say, your Facebook app is as close to you as your wallet. Like, it is a very personal thing. It's almost to the point that you can't put too much information on Facebook for your band or else people will un- unfollow you or unlike you because people use Facebook to see who's getting married, who's having kids, and to brag about their life. It's not necessarily the best platform for bands, but it is still very important. People look at the stats of the talking about and how many people are liking So what's you. too much information? I mean, I, I, I... Every time you go onto Facebook, and I mean every time, and everyone in the world can relate to this, you have six new notifications. And all six of those <laughs> is some idiot inviting you, you to a them. party, <laughs> inviting you to a, a stage club event, show. inviting it to a stage it, inviting it to a give me money here, inviting it to and a donate to this. And no it's, one and it's so one of those here you go like I need so, to get this out of my like get this off my thing. This is my this it, is my wallet. It's of an inva- it's this an invasion is- of privacy and unless you are giving something to somebody like a new song or a new video mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or at least a picture of you, then stay out of their life. Because exactly. if you're if you're going to intrude and knock on you, my internet's door to ask for money, I will almost <laughs> never do it here's, unless it's for charity. Here's how totally. my here's how my personal Facebook works. It's kind of like getting into Area Fifty One. You can't add me on Facebook. There's no add friend button. You type in my name and I don't exist, but I can only find you and add you and you can't send me very, invites to your very parties. Very, very because sneaky. Because Facebook freaks me out a little bit. Why is that? What about it? I don't just really don't really want to know how many of my friends from high school are getting married at 23. Yeah, that's true. I that's, just, that's weird. I'm just so... I don't know. I like Twitter a lot because Twitter, I can just talk my ass off and not really have to read what people are thinking about it, but... uh. Um, Facebook is just, I don't know. It's a, it, it's hard. I don't, it's a lot of kind of old relationships that I just don't really, I guess, deal with anymore. But I just don't want people to add me on Facebook. I do, you, wanna... do you guys feel like it, you said before that, it, I mean, obviously this has always been the case, but especially with MTV, it's gotten, you know, blew up and it seems like it has kind of continue to grow the emphasis on it but the image is so important because of Instagram and now you have Vine and Snapchat or whatever the heck you got and so has have you guys found that it's been difficult for you to struggle between having to take care of the image versus wanting to take care of the music I mean or making I, the music the priority and yeah well, I mean I, th- I think that you we don't have an image. You reach a certain. I, I, we're all we're all different. I mean, like, we have, we're all I mean, different. We've never sat together. That's and been like, let's all that's dress the same. That's a, that's that in itself, I, I guess it could be an image. But I mean, we all as have a point of focusing on the image, image. I think I I don't know who it was we were writing with someone, but actually it was it was Tim Pagnotta we were writing with from Sugar Colton. I mean, he's been around the block many times, and in talking about like putting music as the number one priority, he put it like really interesting because this record we took you know this took eight months to write, whereas our second record. It's that weird point of a band. It's that weird hot cold point where it's like you're just starting to get buzzing from your first record. You're just being introduced to the touring world. It's very exciting. You're getting tour offers. You're buzzing. But oh, time to do a second record. We got to do it. But there's this tour and this opportunity here. So you better do it fast. You got to sandwich it between something. And then you do it in 60 days. You look back. And I think, I, I like to think that that, I could diagnose that as the cause of many sophomore slumps is that kind of hustle that happens after the first record. Strike while the iron's hot. And he said it, and Tim said a really interesting thing. He said, 
say no to the one tour, the one promotional this, the promotional that, that will come again. Focus, if it takes turning down two tours that you're going to get offered again to sit and actually spend time on the music that is going to last forever, and the music is really the ultimate thing that can be used to propel your, you know, your band's future, focus on the music. That's number one priority. I was talking to our friends Paradise Fears, and they're, they're, they seem to be buzzing a lot right now. And we just, they just left our tour last night, and I said goodbye to all of them, and I said to everyone what Tim said to me. I was like, guys, take time on your record. Like, I know you're focusing on your YouTube videos and this, that, the other. Focus on your record because you guys are buzzing and there's some really good songs I'm hearing. But just don't, just focus on the music. And I, I think it, I think at a certain point you do learn that. Whereas our first record, we were very like, we have your whole life to write your first record. It's yeah. also, it's also dangerous though. And it, it's, you never, it's, it's different for every band and you never know what's going to happen. You never know how long is too long. How you know, we're about to release our third record. Rocket to the Moon Nest released our first record at the same time. Same day. Same day. And they're about to release their second to... record when we release our third. So, so it's like, are we moving too fast? <laughs> or are, you are know, they moving too slow? It's both sides of it. I mean, I guess back to... The... And that's a band that took their time. And yeah. I think they made a great record, and I'm super excited for it. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I, I mean, I don't think fans are, are going to, like fans have forgotten everyone still loves rocket and people still listen to rocket but you do always feel this perpetual fire under your ass where you're like you have to go 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 go, go, go i mean go. we we i think i think speaking for our second record i think some mistakes were made with it with with, with how fast hey you got this with how tour. fast it moved you just got off this tour and the record tour. the record was recorded in 17 days yeah. crazy pretty quick <laughs> how the much new, of that how much of that record was uh was the pressure to try and follow up with what you had done with with I, Chelsea I and so forth. Dude, like, it was... Like, I felt I felt Because, you know, Will from Cartel says crazy. that, like, you know, Chroma came out, and then the pressure for the second record was do Chroma 2. I think... And I mean, he for, walked away from that, and then it, it, it kind of didn't go I, well. For me, it wasn't a pressure to do Chelsea again. It wasn't this thing. It was like, we were thrown to the studio. All of a sudden, I just felt like... I mean, at the time when that record was being recorded, I was 21... But we were writing songs like we were 35, I we felt just, like. I felt like we, we just wanted the to 90s. be... We wanted so badly to be Train or Matchbox 20. And weird, I remember yeah. um, at the beginning of writing this third record, uh, beginning of last summer, I was I was in LA and I was kind of writing a song with our friend Sam Hollander. Um, and it really just kind of turned into us like hanging out and chatting and him pretty much just like dropping knowledge on me. Basically saying he's like... I think you guys got too old, too fast, and with this record, you need to figure out how to be young and be alive again. Mm. And I think it was the best advice I, for me ever because that was right at the turning point of like, what the fuck is this third record? What is the what is the idea? And I just remember him saying that to me, and it totally made sense. I think with everything's fine. I'm very proud of the record, but I just remember being 21 and wanting so badly to be like trained. And it's like our fans aren't soccer moms. Like that's not that's not it. Not yet. Like you we know, made. I think I'm very proud of the record. I think it came a little too early. I think it is. Yeah. It is it's an interesting record. There's like I'm no, glad it happened. Though. It's Absolutely. all like there's a whole real drums. There's no samples. There's like no edits. It's Brian would organic. sing entire songs all the way through, and it's that very, was like it. Yeah. It was very weird. We were. It, okay, we also, it, it, it also, also got awesome. no. There was a there was it, a great quote. There was a uh, I can't remember. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't think it wasn't Kennedy. I think it was Tim from the Maine, and he said that they figured out what their most successful what what re which records don't do well, um, and they can tell by um, which songs the fans come and want to get the lyrics tattooed so on them. And those, really the record funny. that doesn't have the lyric they don't do that for is the record that didn't do well. ironically yeah. the most yeah. ironically i guess in that but situation the 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 most. tattoo i wrote right out 
by a landslide the the is the word everything's, everything's fine. fine. Yeah. So I guess for so us, he, he says the tattoos are the ones that do well. That do well. Yeah. I think that's a good that's, point. Yeah. Well, that's you also really have funny. To, that's a really funny way to put as that. A band, like, yes, our sophomore record didn't take us to like mainstream radio or mainstream success, but it did mean a lot to a lot of people. It, yeah, it, it, which is it, which it is has the meant a lot. Exactly. And it, like it, it is made it is made fans realize that we're more than just a pop punk band. And I think what it. Yeah, I think I think what it is really were. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, the first record teetered on that. Hold hold on, time out. How? Give us the classification. This is. I've. What's what would you guys call? If you had to categorize, I think I finally figured. I've been saying because I talked to your manager about this. Yeah, we went around. You know, recently in a couple interviews, I have been saying the words alternative pop. Okay. Which are contradictory. <laughs> I know, but that's but exactly why I'm saying it. I yeah. want I want to know what my peanut Shea butter and could, mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you it's, classify us as? What? How no. would I classify us? Yeah. Um, I'd say you've run uh, a music magazine since 1985. I'd say something. I was gonna. Yeah, I could see pop alternative. You have to keep alternative in there just for your main genre. It's to a certain extent. But pop to me, it's like you're. You're like pop's the main genre for you, and alternative's a subgenre. Yeah. That's how bit, I would yeah. I, mean, I think I think that's we write. Right, I don't think songs. I think punk should not be associated with you guys. I don't even yeah, think our God, first yeah. record, Love Like This, right, which is even is a, is closer to the pop. There were no vein, punk beats. Is by no means a pop punk record. I mean, right. like it's poppy melodies kinda, with presented in a way that is presented. It was presented. I love like this especially was pop melodies, pop songs presented in a way that pop radio isn't presenting songs. So maybe songs of the same likeness, but yeah, not the, right the straight down the center, if just you, like everyone's producing right. it. If you sound anything anything or any sort of uh, song structure or anything like Blink-182, even near it, I think just mainstream critics or music then people just say, yeah, yeah, you're just that. Punk. And like, you're, you get thrown with pop. Or you, think, play, you play guitars and you sing poppy melodies. Or who you tour punk. with. Oh yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's the huge tour with it. That's the huge thing. Guilt by association. That is a big thing. Uh, sure. Not that anyway, there's anything wrong with pop punk. I mean, someone, so, someone tweeted you know. me the other day, and they're like, "Still can't understand why people call the Somerset a pop punk band." A lot of people, a lot of like press does. It's very right. interesting. I'm so these, we're press. These pop punkers. I'm so pop yeah. punk. Yeah, we've been I'm, so, punker. I'm so punk rock with all my Mickey Mouse sweaters. Yeah, we get so fucking punk rock. But like, I guess I mean. I really don't record. even care. I, don't, no, I just don't care about yeah. the title. With this, yeah, with this new record, I think it was the idea of wanting... I mean, we've always written pop songs. I just want to kind of create our own lane of pop music. It's like we're not... It's not dance pop. It's not like we're not like... We're not Katy Perry. We, it's, we're, we're a band that makes... That writes pop songs. I guess alternative would be the subgenre. I think it's just trying to figure out where our own lane fits. But Maybe I think that's how third you times a charm become is the, uh, individual. I remember when the format put out Dog Problems, they released something saying something of, of what you just said. And they said, yeah, we are, we are, we are a pop band. Yeah. And we're pop you, band. You wouldn't listen to the format and think, oh, this is pop. But it, but it, it is, is actually. Yeah. Totally. Like, if you look at the, the songs, they're, they're pop songs. Honestly, the words, just the words pop band probably makes the most sense. Yeah. Because like yeah. with pop, you have like your... Your artists, your, your your artist diva pop girl singers, and then I mean we're a band playing pop music. I yeah. don't think it can. I don't that's think it's very confusing. Yeah, confusing. exactly. Yeah. But do you think that's gonna? If you walked out on the stage of you know doing Warp Tour, you're doing Skate and Surf or whatever, and, and you say hi, we're a pop band. You think that's people in the audience who's gonna be like, oof? I think we might have said that. Let me tell a quick story. In oh, 2010, yeah. we did Warp Tour. We. Uh, we played a Taylor Swift cover, and 50% of the shows we played either before or after the casualties, <laughs> who we actually became really good friends with. But uh, they would go on stage after we'd play and call us the Backstreet Boys. And so, I guess so, call a spot. so I guess that's where it went. But like, And also, yes, I would step on stage and say, hey, what's up, guys? We're a pop band. Because, is, 
Yeah. What I love about Warped I'm Tour now is it, it is that diverse. I'm proud of being a pop band. I want to go on Warped Tour, and I want to stand out. I don't want to I be... I don't want to try go and try to fit in. Like, you're never going to go on stage and be like, well, let's try to rock our set out a little bit more to fit in. It's like, we're never going to rock as hard as, like, Motionless and White. I mean, because, we, I mean, that we, stuff... We are the generation... You need to work on the eyebrows, but... We are the generation that wore girl pants in high school, and I, I still wear girl pants. Me too. And so... We've always been the type of people that have never been afraid to be. We've never tried to be tough. Like I guess is what we're trying to say. Yeah, we're not going to go up on stage to say, "Hey, what's up, guys? We're the Somerset. We're a metalcore band." <laughs> I'm, I might heavy. this summer. The most punk rock things about our band are Josh's tattoos and his six pack. Mm. Yeah, his abs, his abs, and his tattoos. I've not had carbs since 2002. <laughs> is that is how much? It's not actually, true at all. I've never asked about this uh, too much, but your your fitness and uh, do you guys feel because you're um, because of the maybe because you're not doing metal and mm-hmm. you know there is kind of a thing about uh, certain music genres. I think you can you it is kind of that click or that kind of fitting in that you can look a certain way in that. But because of the kind of music that you're playing, do you kind of feel like it, it puts more pressure on you guys to like look the part and look good? And a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps in pop music. People, pop music listeners, especially like teenage girls, definitely associate with a band that they also think they're attracted to. And I, I mean, I think just also personally as humans, I think everyone always likes to make themselves. And what, yeah, whatever yeah. You, music you listen to, I think still the metal guy is making sure or like, the Black Veil Brides sure, fan is probably sure. still making sure their makeup looks sound before. Right. Yeah. As a, like, fitness, like, I don't know. I, I personally think in a big, I personally just think, you know, staying active, being We're fit, just, just, in general, all of us, I mean, like he, like Brian was mentioning, we all were big, we were active in, in through middle school and high school. I mean, Wait, we, yeah. all all we all played sports. sports. We were all very healthy what was your and fit. Sport? Soccer. We all, soccer? Um, okay. we 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 all the three of us, me, John, and Steven, all played on the same soccer club. I was supposed to go to college for it, and then really? I yeah. dropped out to be in the band. Um, but we all, we've always mm-hmm. been just healthy people in general. I, I don't guess, think we're going to yeah. stray away from that. I grew up with a yoga instructor mother and a my dad was a University of Michigan hockey player who ran a sports magazine. So I was just like <laughs> born into a sports world. My brother's a golfer. My other brother plays tennis for U of A. And then I just grew up playing basketball. I played hockey for a little bit. I played a little bit of everything. It's like, I don't know, even though that's not my life anymore, I don't know what my life would be like without that kind of activity and that I fitness think that level. I, I have to be... I like staying active. I think that whole like team mentality like that we've always had instilled in us yeah. has helped like being in a band. I'm Absolutely. really glad my parents made like you didn't sports. make me play sports, but I'm glad I did. Absolutely. No, exactly. We, uh, it's, it is a good question you ask, Mike. And I, I feel like any, anyone in a band, and I had a friend say this to me a couple summers ago when, I, when we were home, and he was like, yeah, like so you're in a band, so it's pretty, pretty ego heavy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, Fuck you, dude. <laughs> but then, but, but, but then you know what? Like the, the older I get, but then you think about every, it. Every band is incredibly ego driven, and it's not that we want to be, but it is our job. Well, it's not to. It, it is part of our job to connect to people, and so we have to get on Twitter. You kind of have to. We be, have to get on Instagram. We have to get on Facebook. It's very hard to and go on stage that, not being proud, of having some sense of, of pride about yourself. It's you know you can't go well, on stage cowering, not you, well, having you some can. sort of ego. I mean, you you can, but it's not going to be a fun show. I mean, <laughs> just as a as a human being, like you guys said, we will all love to be active. After touring for almost five years, if I didn't get to go to a gym before a show, sometimes and break away and like go for a run and sweat it off, like 
that makes me come back and appreciate my band and be happy to see them because I totally because I got some steam off mm, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, just for the record, so we can have this, what is the official date and place of the first Somerset show as this lineup? June, as the Somerset. June 13th, 2007. <coughs> Can't be Marketplace. No, it was no, no, at the, the sets. sets with the main, and I think Rocket was in a Rocket's It was moon. supposed to be. No, that was I was this Providence. No, it was supposed to be I wasn't there for that. No, we were oh, saying with Josh. Josh. Yeah, oh, that was, a, was the Tempe Marketplace show with that. I exist. I thought you were talking about the. I, thought you I just thought you meant the, the, the title. It was a radio Somerset. show. It, it was, a, was a show. I don't remember the exact. I, it date. was. I know when it was. It was Tempe Marketplace. It was. It was February of two, February two thousand eight. We played one hundred three point nine. The Edge would do these shows at Tempe Marketplace, mm-hmm. a mall in uh, sure. like Arizona. Free, free Thursday shows, and or we opened for Armor for Sleep, and that was That's Josh's first show Josh's with our band. Armor and it was for Sleep, February yep. of two thousand eight. Interesting, interesting. But the first band. Show as the Somerset was June thirteenth, two thousand seven. Yeah, but with Josh. We, and then just yeah, to clarify, and then Josh jumped in like six months later, and that, his first show was opening show. for Armor for Sleep. <laughs> well, awesome. What was that date? It was in February. Yeah, February. Was in Sometime in February. I don't remember the of exact date. Oh eight. Yeah. yeah. Cool. February two thousand eight. Josh's first show, Tempe Marketplace. It was like our biggest show we had played too. Oh, it was Josh's yeah. first one, and I just remember Josh wearing like. Josh was like super prep dude, preppy dude. He was like preppy punk rock kid. At the the same band time. still has this misinterpretation. No, hold on. Let me <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. I'm just going to sit back and Josh, watch. Josh's first show, he was wearing like true religion girl jeans and like two popped collars. They were not. Yeah. And he had a shaved head. I hate you. They were not popped collars. You looked great. I had a teal polo. It was, it was a teal, teal polo. polo. With, with, with a black polo with a black t-shirt over it okay cool. so oh, it just yeah. had a teal collar so coming you were out. still wearing a lacoste shirt on today. it was yes. really bad i was and confused then i think we played the but if you look if i was i was looking at this ap from 2005 and everyone in the starting line wearing is wearing getting, wearing yeah. the polo I'm, I'm, I'm just giving and you teal. shit my entire high school life i wore designer girls jeans and, and, lacoste a, and like a lacoste shirt and a blazer every single day I uh, looked like. When do you think that's going to come back? I hopefully soon. Because I looked like Seth Cohen. <laughs> the golf shirt. The show is terrible. It all comes back. Should we just rock that on Warp Tour this summer? Let's all do this it. rock Bring golf. Yo, I'm going to play like every show on Warp Tour in like khaki cutoffs in a pink lacoste. Shirt. Do you remember the first thing you guys said when you walked on stage that day? Like the first thing. I remember being like, "This is crazy." That's a, there was, I mean, yeah, there was like a show. It was like the five hundred. Say hello, Tucson. You say. What's up? Did you say um, something like trip oh, over your words? Just, oh, one time, terrifying. this is a totally different story than the first one I stepped on stage, but we played our first like out-of-state shows in Texas <laughs> back in 2007. Story. And uh, we, we played a really shitty like dive in San Antonio one night. Like 20 people. And the next night, we were going back home because we were still in college. We would do like weekend tours. Yeah, we'd go to like the weekend Utah, college, California. What colleges did you guys go to? I went to ASU. And I went to University of Arizona. Okay. Arizona State, yeah. Um, and so we, so we played that show in San Antonio. And this is when we like first were kind of like t- touring, like playing different cities. And uh, we used to have this like break in our first song of our set. And like John, I don't know why John would say this, but he'd say like the name of the city, like, what's up, you know, San Antonio. And it was kind of like sit for a second. We all kind of look at each other and come back in. And come, yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> At that spot in El Paso, he goes, "What's up, San Antonio?" Some guy in the crowd's so, like, there, "There's so few people there." <laughs> Some guy in the crowd's like, that it sounds like this." So I go, "What's up, San Antonio?" This is El Paso, <laughs> uh, uh, and then we went back in. But it was like but such a—it was that small of a show that you could just yeah, hear the guy maybe go, people. Like, yeah, El Paso. Guy, uh, you just kind of looked around like, 
crickets. It's El Paso, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh god, I was like six. I was sixteen as well. Always check the laminate in the morning. Always check the laminate. God. A laminate. Was, yeah, we, a laminate. Fuck, we didn't have a laminate. No, I know. We <laughs> went on a tour. <laughs> right. We played at some bar that like a paper. strip club. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. I think we played a strip club. John yeah. was 16. I was 17. <laughs> out, of all the, all the, out, of, out of all the shows you've played, you've ever had that Blues Brothers show where you're like, you should be behind the you know the, the cage and they're throwing bottles and all that other stuff like yes. that? Yes. Like, oh, yeah. We played a surf festival with some <laughs> reggae band. Oh, oh this is awesome. God. CBS College Sports in like San Diego does a video thing for their there's a place in San Diego called the Wave House where it's like they do a it's a surfing competition but it's on this wave like artificial thing artificial wave. thing right and they televise televise on like CBS College Sports and we played in some reggae oh hey band. guys want to come play a like, show they're a pretty we're big like, reggae yeah. band I- so we played and oh my god I thought the crowd was going to throw stuff at us some oh, dude actually tried quick. to fight me from stage <laughs> and I had him kicked out of the show mostly because of terror strangely <laughs> though bro dogs have been coming to our shows ever since ever since we released fuck you over our bro population at shows a lot of dudes on this tour skyrocketed a lot of dudes, really? dudes. Yeah. so many dudes I don't get it what, what did it what caused it I think, think it's fuck you over I don't know I mean I, th- I think the, love the, like the this worst. has also been around oh I mean maybe fuck you over I don't know I also think like love like this has been around for a while and it was kind of a little I mean, not like, I'm not going to say hyper-masculine in the sense, obviously, Brian's voice, there's nothing masculine about it, but I think it is Thanks, kind of, man. there's some, like, group chants, and it is, and it is a little bit more, I like, rock. You know what other band, <laughs> you, this, you know, that is the pull Here's the, the, yeah. <laughs> you know what other band had this problem, though? And I remember from my high school experience, and my bro dog friends in high school, another band that had the exact same awkward t-shirt phase that our band has, mm. Fall Out Boy. I was literally about to say the exact same thing. I remember Fall Out Boy. when Fall Out Boy was at their biggest in like 2005. I'd wear like a, I was like a dude. I'd wear like a Fall Out Boy shirt, and bro dudes would like make fun of me, and girls would love it. But then a couple years later, all dudes love Fall Out Boy. All so dudes I think love Fall Out When Boy. Love Like This came out, it wasn't really cool for bro dudes to listen to it. But now that it's been out for like almost four years, bros love it. It was the awkward <laughs> t-shirt phase. They I'll never love forget. It. I'll never forget. Literally, going Josh, to... we were on the same page. I was so after. glad we're. My friend, sorry to cut you off, but my friend Alex Rubin, who. Uh, Played for Boise. He was played defense football. for Boise's Boise. football team. Texted me one night wasted. He goes, "If you don't like Fall Out Boy, then fuck you." <laughs> and I was I just, just like, like the same "I'm thing. glad you're coming out of the closet." It was a weird time because I think they were like hitting like mainstream, but there was like some people who were just like you know classic fans who were oh, like those from are the emos. scene born. And, and I'll never forget me and Steven went to one of their first shows after like Sugar were going down and really oh, blown up. And it was like ten, it was like in a, a small arena. It was crazy. If it was a, it was the hockey arena. Yeah, it was crazy that they were playing this. And we walk in, we come in, and from first to last is playing, I believe. And yeah. people were just like. Emo fuck. <laughs> like, walk in, I was like, You're you're at it from first to last fallout boy show. What? <laughs> like and I'm getting yelled at? Really? Come on. Like, like look at Pete. Pete has the same haircut as me on stage yeah, right exactly, now. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh we take two song breaks. We're gonna take one of them now. Um so Does that mean I get to go to the bathroom? I've had the yeah, piece actually, uh, started. Yes, it is also <laughs> it is there is a yeah. there is a subtitle to that uh potty break. Um so we I need two songs by two bands. Um, so, uh, so the first tours that you guys did, like maybe, maybe if you can remember the very first tour you guys did where you, you maybe went to that lovely, uh, El Paso show. Mm -hmm. Um, I need the, give me the, the, the band and the song and I need two of them that were the ones that were played consistently in, in the van. Mm. First, Steven, you're good at this kind of stuff. Yeah, you're really good When we first started touring 2007, when we were driving out to... What would we be listening to? What would we have been listening to? 2007, driving out to Texas. Paramore, oh. you guys listen to Paramore. Paramore. Mm. It was like Paramore. Misery Business. Misery Business. That's what you Was that get before I was in the band? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we would have been listening to that 
Paramore record. It right? was. The Riot record, I think. And Maybe. you know what record also came out that year? Was Direction, Starting Line. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Probably like Island. Island. That record came I'd out. I'd say Misery Business and Island. Yeah. yeah. Those are the sure. two songs. Yeah. yeah. Let's go with those. Do two. you guys still play when you if you play those now that take them back to the takes you back to those days? Oh, Island. I love that. Song. There's there's there's, there's there's some like when we first started touring we, we I like used to burn CDs. Yeah, we used to do mixes. And I, and there was like a select few mixes. By the way, this is because we would drive out to Texas in a minivan. <laughs> yeah, we'd rent a minivan. <laughs> and um there's oh, like there's like just parents. certain like mixes and songs that really remind me of like when we when we first started touring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go with those two. Okay. Island by the starting line and Misery Business by We're, we're going to listen to those and, and we're going to take a potty break. Awesome. That's amazing.
So, all right, we're back. Cool. We were just having a conversation that you probably will never hear, but let's talk about something. Um, because this is, this is, I've heard from more and more artists that this is becoming somewhat of an issue. Um, <clears throat> and that is that artists are the pawns or maybe the abused spouse or, or you know, loved ones uh, in a way um, because the race for page views from a lot of music blogs and websites. Mm -hmm. And how you do that, I was talking to somebody that worked at uh, one of the big ones and for a while, and he said that he would write all these great long stories about the music industry and these big long interviews and stuff, and they found that the, the visitors, the website, the kids, would, they, they wouldn't respond as big to those as anything that had any sort of scandal or drama, gossip, or leak, and they found that what was happening is that the, the artists were feeling like these sites would come to them and say, hey, we want an interview, after the sites trashed them, gossiped about them, wrote, uh, posted stuff as fact that was rumors, uh, maybe half-truths, um, maybe put some opinion pieces in there about how much they hated this band and so forth, but the, when the band turned around and asked for an interview, uh, or for an acoustic session on video or something like that, the artists are starting to get kind of pissed off mm. and starting to feel like they may want to withhold and, and, uh, and try and figure out if they have any sort of power. Or do you guys feel powerless I mean, it's a, in a way? It's a, it's a weird push and pull. I mean, I, ideologically, why smut kind of, you know, digging up the dirt stories do well? I mean, that's simple. That's an easy question. I mean, we wouldn't go watch a movie, you know, or, you know, any, we wouldn't go watch a movie if there was no conflict in it. You know what I mean? The, 
we all love conflict. We love problems. Those articles are going to do well always. That's you can't change human nature. Mm. Feeling powerless of us feeling like we're being puppeted around. I mean, it's, it's weird because it's like, you know, at, at the point when our band's at, it's like we it, there is a mutual relationship you have with these press people, and they, they might do things to piss you off, but they do say there's no such thing as bad press. So they are talking to us. They are fueling something. Is a lot of it negative? Are they doing things behind our back that do piss you off? Yes, but it's weird. The, the question I always ask myself is, are we in a position to say no to this, to this interview? Because we kind of are, we need to, we need those plays. We need those views. We want to cross exactly. promote ourselves in these things. So you almost do feel kind of taken advantage of in a way that it bums you out that you kind of wish that there could be a mutual respect on the other end because we know we, we're not in a position to say no yet. We're not, you know, we're not Bon Jovi. We can't say no to the interview. We kind of right now have to kind of take The other day interviews. I was actually thinking about this when I was listening to, I think it's uh, the Kanye West click. I think it's in his verse on uh, click from the Good Music Record where he, uh, he says, uh, I don't do any press, but I get the most press. And it's funny, Kanye doesn't, <laughs> Kanye doesn't do any interviews, but he's, but all the press is exactly that. It's just Kanye West scandal, Kanye West leak. Kanye West said this shit. Kanye West that. And it's huge for and, Kanye West. And here's he why I'm on the other single, side of the coin. He doesn't do a single interview, it seems like. I'm on the other side it's of the coin rare. from John. Um, simply because 99.9% .9 of the game for all bands is the illusion. The grand magic trick, the grand illusion. This band is blowing up. Well, what is making this band blow up exactly? The fact that you're saying they are blowing up is exactly what is making them blow up. It is all a complete facade. And when it comes to you feeling powerless, that only takes your power away. Your power to say no and go, I'm not going to do this interview because you said some nasty things about my band or you leaked my new single or do you say no? It, yes. It, and it's not, and you yeah, not exactly. doing it and you actually making a statement going on your Twitter or something saying, sorry, I'm not doing interviews with so-and-so blog anymore because of this will only said thing. Yeah. will only make you look like more of a rock star. Uh, that is, I mean, I mean like I said, that's true. Like I said, that is, and like I said, it's the a good point. It's, it's not, it's not like, I guess my side isn't really a side. It's more of a question I was posing. A feeling it's, of helplessness. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying it does feel powerless. It's, I'm mostly posing a question. Don't really have a full on opinion of saying it's a, it's an idea that goes around in my head a lot being like, do you say no to the interview or are we at the point where we need the interview? It's just that get, weird, you don't want, I don't want to like again. shut a door that yeah. might, that might, because <clears throat> like I said, we're not exactly Kanye West exactly. who can say no yet. I don't know. But how do you become I, Kanye I would like, West? I would like you to say, like I would like, West. I would like to say, I would like to say, screw them all like this, that, the other, but not all of them. I'm a little reserved. I also think it just, it depends on the site. I mean, if it's yeah. Rolling Stone, not obviously not. However, if it's someone who is a smaller still, blog, a smaller based blog that's still growing, it's kind of like, no way. well, if they do something behind your back, you could say no to them because they're exactly. not Rolling Stone. So let's, say, so let's exactly. say one of these sites or, or, or yeah, let's say one of these sites um, starts a little rumor about one of you guys. Yeah. And it's a, maybe, maybe, uh, and you know, a lot of managers and labels and publicists will sit there and say, don't respond. You know, if you don't respond yeah. to trolls, then they don't, you know, oh, they don't I have that. that. I have that. But, but, but when do you, when is that? But my question is, is when, when is it, when is it that time where you have to go and respond? Like, at what point do you guys feel, even individually, like this has gone too, like I have to say something. I have to go out on Twitter I don't, and push back. 
I, I don't know. I think I know, it, I, it would have to be situation. It would have to happen. happen. Yeah. I, like I can't like, I can come I, up with a hypothetical, uh, but if it was something that was like claiming of some sort of violent act or some sort mm-hmm. of sexual, uh, you know, act that was illegal, like something like that. Like only I feel Stephen like that has had something like that, that happened, happened to me. To him. If you, if anyone remembers that, is anyone up site? Yeah, fuck that site. And uh, someone posted a picture of of, you. of me. Uh, it, it, I wasn't. It wasn't me. It was uh, <laughs> a picture down. of <laughs> yeah, waist down. And uh, claiming that that was my you can say genitalia. Fuck, <laughs> yeah, we're not NPR. You can okay, that was my penis on said, the internet. I said fuck like four times. And I, I wake up to all these tweets saying like, oh my God, you're on this. And it's just a picture of a dick. And, um, <laughs> and I go, I'm like, what? Ew, that's like the, that thing. That's not me. What? Who is this? And wait, are they talking? Oh, wait, they are talking. I would have just tweeted saying. And I later find out that it's like the penis picture from like the masturbation article on Wikipedia. I'm like this is and, and and I mean I think for a while a I didn't I didn't I didn't respond because I didn't want to like fuel it but it like I kept getting like tweets about it I think and that's it one of those pissing situations me off it's like that's not me and you can find that picture on another site on the internet and not way bigger than that and that <laughs> penis looks weird so after a while I, I I didn't I didn't really blow like blow it up too much I just yeah, said like, but I think that like Mike said that is not, one of those points like, yeah, like that's one of those points where it's like okay now I have to squash something yeah when it's yeah, a little bit yeah. to a point where it's a defamation of character I think yeah, it's like, all right. a little different um, I, but, guess, yeah. I mean I, I guess that it really hasn't happened to me personally I kind of have that Jay Leno mentality where I don't really enjoy controversy so I just pretend that nothing's being said it's a good way to do it yeah. it's definitely a good way to do it yeah I mean I just I think as as long as I can hold off from saying that, from pretending that nothing phases me, it's uh, that's kind of where that's my mentality. That's a good point. That. Yeah. So, how did you guys get signed to Militia Group? How did that whole process start? What's the let's what's like the real story? Not don't give me the one that you spit I'll, out. In five I'll give seconds. you okay. Yeah. Well, who called? Like who ran into who? Who called who? Who sent what? Well, back in the my, days of MySpace, it's all MySpace. Basically, we yeah. had we like we just add people. We accidentally accounts. added Rory Felton. <laughs> Yeah. Ahead of the label, we didn't know who he was. We had no idea who he is. We it found was just him on one like Cartel's page or something. We accidentally added Rory Felton on MySpace. We had a picture that apparently they thought we looked cute in. So I don't even think they listened to the songs. They <laughs> yeah. just liked the picture. They literally said they liked the picture. Um, we That's what two, they told us. Literally a week after we put up our first two songs on MySpace, I get a MySpace message on my from personal Rory. account. Which which were from, the two songs he put up? She's got the no. This no. Is before lights and ready set and go. Ready, set, go. What, what were they? A song called Lights and a song called Ready Set Go. Okay. Um, Rory Felton. Messages me on my personal MySpace, not even our band one. He found my, he like responded saying, I really like you guys. I, I, I own the militia group. Uh, really like to meet you guys, all that, like, et cetera, et cetera. And I just like wanted re- to respond with, like, Are you an imposter? I just didn't yeah. believe. I was like, I just didn't believe it. And at the time, like, we, I mean, we thought the militia the coolest fucking thing ever. I mean, the Rocket Summer, Cartel, Copeland, et cetera. Yeah, it was so, like, cool. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. I remember sending it to Steven, and we were like, we're is this the real out. person? We didn't believe it at and first. It was. I'm already working on graduating high school a year early. I'm already, like, doing correspondence courses and hoping to get signed. And then we get this email. Next thing you know, we're out. We're heading in, a, in another yeah. minivan, probably, to uh, Long Beach. my car. Yeah, it was it's just Steven's car. We got out to Long Beach, and we met with Rory and some of the label people it's for the first time. Yeah, and, like, I mean, one thing led to another, but now, like... My mom, Jean, bring up Jean, <laughs> Jean. again, had to sign the contract for me because I was, <laughs> I was so, 16. And then, I guess, so, so from for majority of what was me and John senior high school, we were kind of going back and forth with the militia group, kind of going out and playing shows of Chain Reaction in Orange County, and kind of... We were, the militia group was always kind of there. They were the first people to be really responsive. And we kind of went to see what our options were and kind of yeah. waited it out for a year, at least until we were going to graduate. And then a month before 
Um, John, I graduated high school. We signed to the militia group and released an EP. And I guess one thing led to another, and we're obviously not in the militia group anymore. But it's funny. I mean, my two best friends on the entire planet are more militia group employees. It's just like, at, I mean, in so many ways, we can, crazy. We can, we can drop, my roommate used we can, to work for militia group. Yeah, we can <laughs> drop the name. Uh, Brandon Chamberlain, who yeah. worked for the He's militia the one who group, saw the picture, yeah. who saw the photo, is a dear friend of ours. And again, I mean, when you think about, oh man, we had we had a friend manager, a manager that was a friend when we started. A kidinger, <laughs> a friend. Um, he's a great guy, but you you reach a point where you're like, okay, well, if I'm dedicating my life to this, I'm gonna have to actually take it seriously. Let's just say, and, so and I think we're we can going re- out signing record 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 deals and meeting with other record labels as well because we met with a few before yeah we did yeah yeah um and i i ended up having to fire him but we we called up brandon john and i in a panic and we're like dude we don't have a manager like what do we do what do we do what the hell and brandon set us up with our still to this day manager i mean it's kind of funny when i think about it because like brandon this this brandon's like he's like one of my best friends he signed us to a label and basically the whole i guess everything over the course of all the ups and downs over the course of the five years of the, of the Somerset were probably influenced by Brandon Chandler. They were. I mean, he found us on the internet, signed, signed us, us to a militia group, left the label, no, then... Signed us to a failing label. No, then, yeah, signed us to a label <laughs> that was going was under. Kind of, I guess, going under. So then and he left to go to a new job. We were on a label that was going under. We fired our manager. We he found us Mike Kaminsky... It helped and, us get out of the and then Mike Minsky after. saved our lives. And so Brandon Chamberlain is like the single reason the the rise and fall of the, <laughs> the Somerset is all because of a man named Brandon Chamberlain. So Brandon, wherever you are out there, he is a he's a this. he's a brilliant man actually and a dear friend. Yeah, I love Brandon. He's got a great house too. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> Lots of memories of Brandon. Talk about those that EPs that you put out in Militia Group. Mm-hmm. Um, like first. Like what do you what are you, looking back on them now? What do you like and not like about them? Oh my god! Well, I don't like anything about them. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like what we did. For not the, even sentimental. Yeah. I like there's a sentimental value. I like did we do the that. Did we do the Christmas one through them? Yeah, yeah, I like what we. I like that one. I like what we did at the time we did it. I mean, we were 17 mm. years old. Like she's got the rhythm. If I wrote that now, I wouldn't be that proud of it. That was like but the coolest. We were so we were stoked so, with that. I love it because of it. There's a certain pride that comes with. Holy shit! We did this when we were 17, 18 years old. We released an EP. We had finished recording an EP before I had even finished high school, and that was the coolest thing in the entire world. It was a song that comprised of... It was three songs from our first self-release, plus two other ones. Um, we still get asked about these songs all the time. but uh, I think we, it's cool. It just got, it it got people really to listen. Cool. It, 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 got people to it listen. got people to listen. Hearing the yeah. titles Lights and Ready, Set, Go... It's so funny. Almost, it, it actually... It honestly almost chokes me up, because it's crazy to... It feels like yesterday, but God, that was almost Do five years ago. Do you remember when ago. we played that weird, like, Christian festival in Austin? <laughs> I wasn't there for that. Was you were? Oh, you were there that. Oh my God, this is before. <laughs> By the way, remember I... We had to the- change the titles of our songs to, like, to, like something about sing it out, sing to, it out god. to god what ready set go we to somehow, god <laughs> they probably did that by choice we had we had some a couple weird manager situations at first somehow we ended up getting booked on some christian festival like not like like not like reliant k or no, like, like christian like, like christian festival. like evangelical like <laughs> talk, speaking in like, tongues kind of thing uh, yeah. i think they were under the impression that our songs were super super religious someone had just us lied to them apparently <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, I forgot about this. That's that was around the time you we overcame. That's before boys you do, or else we wouldn't have been able to put um, makeup on the pig. But, <laughs> but uh, 
And then, <laughs> so summer 2008, we released In Color, an EP, nostalgically, I'm very proud of, obviously. And then later that winter, we released a three-song little Christmas sampler that had a uh, um, the f- a song called Candy Find Me, which ended up on our first full-length level. Oh, like yeah. this. And then uh, and a Christmas sh- song and a cover of Usher's Love in This Club, which... Followed us around like a bad, <laughs> yep. bad, ex-girlfriend. Honestly, I feel like every time I see something about our band, they're like, in the summer set, does love in this, this club. club. And you're cover. like, that was four years ago. Dude, I'm sorry. That, People don't that forget. Came up, that came up in a UK magazine. That, uh, they just that's still like, won't drop the it. Magazine they won't drop it. They played there. that in like four years. I know. Get over it. It's funny. <laughs> it makes me, makes me laugh because like, I mean, you learn, I guess, at a young age. But like, man... Covers follow my, you around. My advice to new bands, playing a cover live and playing a couple tours or whatever, that's a cool thing. When you record a cover, you Don't. are now attached to that cover forever. So be, be careful what you wish for. Ooh. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck changing the word usher to Brian and saying the lyric, come here, baby, show me what Bri- Brian. Show, uh, show let Brian. Brian show you what it feels like or <laughs> oh. something. And I will never be able to live that down <laughs> ever. So, I, hate, I hate But then you, you really that. embraced it, and you, and you did the Walmart thing for Taylor with Taylor Swift that, songs. Oh yeah, Dude. that was a yes. festival. That well, was a that thing. was. Uh, I'll take okay. for that story. I guess. I guess <laughs> we. No, that's we, bad too. Do you want the honest version I'm or the Brian you, version? Oh, I'm giving you we the got honest the honest version. version. We, Only honest versions. <laughs> Only we. Uh, we were booked to play Hoodwink before Bamboozle. Where I guess for those who don't know, Hoodwink is. Uh, where they, they take 10 bands that are playing the festival that weekend, and each artist covers a different artist of their choice. And we picked Taylor Swift. At the time, it was like Fearless was at its peak, and we thought it would be really, really fun. And honestly, the show was amazing. But we found out that uh, there was they had like Pro Tools running during this set, and we had the ability to have everything live recorded if we wanted in the future. So we did. And the set was amazing. And a few months down the line, Razor and Ty was like, let's release a Love Like This bonus version because they are masters of and the cover what do you because uh, they're they're True. masters of the cover <laughs> right, right and they were like why don't we use we have all the we have all the stems from the hoodwink show why don't we release five taylor swift bonus tracks and while at the time we we're like yeah great idea maybe taylor swift will found out we'll find out and now i'm sitting here thinking derp, derp, i don't derp, really want to record any covers of people i'm trying to sleep with i just so <laughs> It was, it was just, it was just, you know, record, quote. record labels think like record labels and people love it. And even our tour manager, Cosm goes, Oh, you love like Taylor Swift stuff. I jam that stuff all the time. Yeah, and I'm like, I hate you so much. That was, the, that down. was about as, as creative as, as, as it got, I guess, in that cycle. It's I just mean, funny. Cause like, it's bad. People think that we, that was like everyone just thinks that that was something we did exclusively for Walmart and that these were recorded covers and it was like a live thing. So we can't. Not only can we not live it down, we can't remind people enough that like we this didn't was do from it. a live show. Like, this we wasn't. Didn't. We didn't go in the studio and record five Taylor Swift covers. It's like we did this live or, for or, fun. Or, or, or hey, maybe why didn't you just promote? the record in an interesting way as much and put as much behind what you did as much as you put behind love like swift <laughs> like why was that the push oh you know such what? A, but you know what? That's so cool. but i will say to like kind of wrap that question is you do live you do learn at that point right at the beginning it was kind of like yeah. scared puppy like kind of like yeah yeah like we're gonna like you kind of got to do what they say like this kind of thing and since then i think like really towards end of love like this into everything's fine you can see really come some of our marketing ideas and some of our ideas as a band aesthetically and stuff like that and you start kind of being like all right this is the ship 
you sign to the ship, we steer, and you know, kind of thing. So yeah. talk about that period between between the two records, um, um, because you just said something. You're just like a creative, like you were saying, like creatively, there was like something missing at that period. At yeah, around and confidence, confident. Okay, we, so talk about that. We, I guess, between the two records, we. I remember we had just finished Warp Tour 2010. We were all sitting in our our bus with our manager, talking, "What do we do next?" And we decided to take a little break. And me, John, and Josh went and we started uh, writing. Uh, we started writing some songs for uh, what ended up being "Everything's Fine." And also, I guess to to backtrack with "Love Like This," we didn't really do any co-writing and whatnot. We kind of wanted to see what that was like. So, with "Everything's Fine," for the first time, we went out and we we wrote with people, like just to, to kind of see. And I remember. December 2010, we were in Nashville for like a month writing with everyone and their mother because I think we just thought country music in this Warped Tour world could really combine. And um, I guess I, I'll segue from from that that writing process to where I guess you were kind of going with the creative and marketing process. A little bit of like confidence. Yeah, I mean, confidence. You, I said you kind of like, you're like, dance, monkey, dance. Is, at least that's how it felt right at the beginning. We're kind of young, we're new to it, we don't understand exactly how a label works and like if we're supposed if we're subservient do you rely on them do they rely on you you, do you bring ideas and so we didn't really bring many ideas at at that that point our band love like this when everything's fine came around i feel like we started feeling a little bit more comfortable of like aesthetics of like oh we kind of we want to kind of like dress this way we kind of want to present it this way we kind of came up with this you know the title like everything's fine and kind of like there's this whole story that encompasses the entire record and like the way we wanted to like present the story by like you know brian like doing a whole video kind of series of him um, i just filmed that all on my iphone yeah and then of starting like a website that kind of got misinterpreted, misinterpreted. <laughs> but but starting a website that was like called everything's fine, fine. It, was, it was it was supposed really to, yeah it was it we kind of had this we had this and like i we said had a humorous view yeah so we had like a humorous idea of just being like hey everything's fine it's a very like easy in poop today everything's, everything's fine. fine like oh like got you know the wrong order they got like, my order wrong it was everything's the idea fine. of what like fuckmylife.com was about at the time we wanted to create a it was like all time low with that hey fuck you thing yeah nothing personal man yeah we wanted to do something interesting around that and kind of turned into i think it was our fault because the record was such an emotional record like especially yeah, on brian's totally end our fault. So, yeah and so we're like you know we're putting down all these heavy songs and all these heavy you know parallels between the songs and our real lives and really driving that and then we try to make a site and then we try to make really a site silly. that's silly so it's kind of like to yin and yang it didn't make sense and so people yeah and so then people started taking our serious tone that we were putting down so hard to the website to the website (laughs) and then it started getting very you know emotional but it it is cool but i mean i think looking back that is that is so much more successful and true than a marketing Uh, plan based around love like swift than like based around a love like swift so i will take that any day back to where we started when you were talking about tattoos i mean the it seems like every single night, if I go out after a show, I'm writing the words. I'm writing out the words. Everything's fine for somebody to get tattooed on them. It means someone just got and my did, and it, it meant, I mean, it meant the just, world to every to and, these kids. It meant the world to us. I mean, still, yeah. I mean, still does. I mean, that that whole yeah. idea in itself, like I said, is I see was the the jumping point from hey, you're doing love like Swift. This is what you're doing. Do this. Do what we tell you. And us kind of that was our first stab at kind of our own ideas yeah. and i'm very and we're very proud of it and now you know we're in this new record cycle and it's kind of our second real stab at you know kind of being you know kind of learning that we we are involved in our image and like who we are and like we this is our thing and, and understanding a label a lot better being older being like you know three four years older helps and just yeah that confidence and knowing what direction you want to go aesthetically marketing wise you know I, I think it, i think there's a certain amount of confidence that 
helps you, I think, round yourself off as an artist. That time Absolutely. really does help. Everything's fine. I mean, everything's fine for me. It was a very like therapeutic record, and the whole everything, the whole marketing plan that we had with this sad face with the record being called everything's fine and that whole outlook i'm i love the the way it affected our fans and even just myself like i was i'm really proud of what we did even if like we were as we were talking like it was in a time period where we were moving really really fast i'm yeah. still very kind of proud of the whole movement we attempted with did yeah. you guys did you, was there ever a moment to uh you know where, where things are moving really fast and you're feeling like dance monkey dance and, yeah. and everything else uh where where like what prevents what prevents you think a band from from being able to somebody to kind of sit there and say we got to say no, we have to stop, we have to pause, get a for get, the, catch I our mean, breath. That happened for the first time ever, like this last summer. We did we, it finally. We finally did it. We were like, okay, we were. I remember we were on we were on tour in the UK with We're the In Crowd. We had been on the road for basically thirteen straight months, like very very little breaks, and we were just like kind of tired. And we were we were in a weird spot where we kind of maybe wanted to already start making a new record, and we were already kind of talking to fearless and trying to get uh situated with a new label and like things kind of needed to change but i think like the first thing that really needed to change was us getting off the road we needed to take a break we needed to sit kind of not have any deadlines and like find ourselves again and like really get close to each other all over again and we, we moved into a house in tempe arizona um and we to start writing that was the goal the whole band yeah the goal is to start writing steven uh steven had just kind of started learning Pro Tools and was just kind of starting to record. So we had a way of doing our own demos. And we were like, yeah, we're going to move into a house. We we're going to slow down finally and like see our friends and hang out and record demos. And I just remember Fearless is like, yeah, we want like two songs a week after we rented this house for two months. Two songs a week. You guys uh, will have like 16 songs by the time we're done. We'll have a we got seven songs done. We used one one of them, <laughs> but I wouldn't trade it. I mean, God, if we if we wrote one fucking song in that entire house, the fact that legendary, would, I wouldn't trade the experience in the world just knowing that the song that legendary song. came out of the house. It was all worth it to me because so many, like I've said a, a, a handful of times, is like I don't think if we would have just tried to come off the road again and had like a short window and deadline to write a third record. I don't think we would have anything to say because I don't think you mm-hmm. can write songs if you don't have any sort of living experience to go with them. I was just no. Aside I mean, from totally, I'm on the road. Aside from I miss home. We all we all. I mean, <laughs> everything's fine. Is this everything's fine? Is this record that's it's like about this relationship. boy meets girl trial and tribula- trials and tribulations of kind of a relationship? And I, for me, if we were to have been rushed into doing another record, would like in like a two one. or three months period. I had just gotten out of another relationship. I was sad as fuck, and we probably would have written another really sad record again. So for me, we, being able to have time to get over everything, yeah, move into a house, and like become like friends with the four of these schmucks I, again. I know it's tried to say self-discovery, so I'm going to try not to say that, but we, we all certainly went into that house and came out different people. Oh, 100%. 100%. I am a 100% different person. I am... Like, I just remember before that house, I was, like, this super tense, like, I wouldn't, I was just, like, kind of, like, wouldn't, I was just really kind of, that house helped me loosen up a little bit. And was I it think because like, you guys were calling each other out? Like, I mean, that sort of thing, like, you were no, noticing, no. like, you guys were, like, live. I mean, imagine that being on the road with each other versus living with each other is too, maybe slightly. It, it is different. It different. Well, you, yeah. you actually, it wasn't necessarily, I think, calling out, it was actually yeah. being able to 
talk about something ah. that wasn't about the band. It's yeah, like it's like understood. hanging out with it's like hanging out with yeah. someone you work with, and, and you only like talk we, about work all the time. We really we kind of put writing on the back burner for a little bit and just, just kind of pretended like we other. were in college, and we were just it felt like we were in college. Raging, yeah. yeah. But I was drinking like a bottle of Jameson a night. Yeah, it was kind of weird, but uh, there are dark times. That's how you loosen up. Good to just... That's how I loosened up. But I, I mean, I just remember I talk about this on stage a little bit. But the one song from that house I ended up making the record is the title track. It's called Legendary, <laughs> and I remember we were like. A week or so into the into the house, I remember one night, like maybe the night before this happened, we kind of got into a little bit of a fight because we had we didn't know what kind of record we want to make. We had all the the road had kind of turned. We were all a little bit different people than where we started before we started touring. Everyone kind of wanted to make a different record. It's like, do we make this like cool kind of rock record, like maybe Jimmy like a Jimmy World. World kind of vibe, or do we make something kind of like love like this, or do we stay acoustic, like everything's fine, or like what is the third Somerset record? And we were kind of all in different places. And then I remember. A couple, like maybe a night later, we, we, uh, John and Steven, I guess a little bit everybody were, they, they adjusted back to kind of normal life and hanging out with their friends and drinking and hanging out like a lot quicker than everybody else. And I remember one night everyone was outside by the pool drinking. John was probably swimming naked. <laughs> and, uh, that became a thing, by the way. We'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. Um, and I was just in the living room by myself watching like the season finale of How I Met Your Mother being just really antisocial. And, picked up a guitar and wrote like the chorus of that song which is like this you know, w- without the verses just that chorus alone is just really ridiculous lyric and I'll gladly admit that but I remember taking it outside thinking like hey I got this cool melody idea disregard the lyric for now I know it's kind of silly I remember like a fan tweeted me saying if you love How I Met Your Mother so much why don't you write a song about it so I wrote this thing and I took it outside and showed John and Steven and I don't if they weren't like a a little bit inebriated. I don't think they would have ever taken me seriously. And for me, that was like my favorite act. That's kind of when the fight had. broke. That's kind of when it was like, wait, it'll find like the record. The, we're, the record was going to find itself. I think at that point, like we were going to figure that, it out. That was just and that was a weird accent because you wrote that, and I happened to be have like this drum loop you that had, was perfect. Somehow, that was like the perfect tempo with his vocal this, and melody. Playing, and, and Josh wrote this piano part that was like from forever ago that you came over. Just, and we, just did, f- we did this like. Right. It right. was it was as if it was meant was, to happen because like I remember months before they had worked on this little drum loop piano thing that fit perfectly to this little thing I was playing on guitar it's, and they just yeah. absolutely matched each other and it's then we kind of like, realized oh, the wait, fight was the fight was over. I think we realized like the songs are going to come out naturally as they are. They're going to be about what we're going through and we're going to take it from there that you can't force a record. If you force a record to become something that it's not, you're going to run a really shitty yeah. record. Brian. And um for me, this when we wrote the song "Legendary," it, it got kind of transcended, kind of the the line, and no, it was a big deal. I mean, Brian brought something to the table that, like, for all of us, like, we all stopped asking questions. We all stopped drawing similarities to we can make a record like, like this, this band person, or that yeah. band, it's and it was like, just oh, like we were all just kind of like shaken by that chorus. I think, yeah. And I mean, I, I'd worked on the first two records with you guys, and then Brian brought that to the table, and then it, it was just like a no-brainer. It's like, I don't even want to write on this record. Like, I want this to be, like, I want Brian to take the reins on it, and I'm so glad he did. I mean, my favorite song on the record is a song Brian surprised us with mm-hmm. before, when the track listing was already chosen done, yeah. for this record, Brian shows drops a song on us, and I was like, this has to be on the record. This is my favorite song. Mm. Like this is incredible. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. So, like <laughs> I said, like I said, we all we all came out of that house different people. We all 
grew up and grew down in ways that we needed to. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Who's um, every band is a family. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's three people or seven people in the band. So, um, and everybody's kind of got their roles that they kind of fall into um, because it is. It's you know you're on the road and you're you're uh, and you're, you're, I don't know. I think it's just part of human nature. You kind of fall into these roles. Yeah. So, all right. So who is the mom in the group? Well. Oh, well, I mean, I think it's Josh. <laughs> it's funny because so? well, I, 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 I guess Josh. before we get too far, I want to say like this mom goes back to a little bit to the house for me a little bit because I think before we all took the summer off and went to the house, I think we all would have had different roles than we do now. I yeah. think last yeah. year we were all different things. Like I probably was mom and dad at the same time. Yeah, you probably were. That. I was just but now Josh anal retentive as fuck, and uh, and and Josh was just this loose cannon. Oh my god! <laughs> and then <laughs> Josh, Josh, I say I'm sorry a lot. Josh, <laughs> Josh is loose cannon. It's as if Josh and I have kind of reversed a little bit. I mean, I think we're both have. There were times of extremism, but I think we both kind of found the middle ground of, of, of that. I'd, but s- I'd say, yeah, I'd say maybe Josh, now? maybe Josh's Josh. lifestyle would be Josh. more mom, a little bit slower than everyone else's, but I'd say Jess's attitude is a little more mom yeah. because I mean, she's Josh, always Jess the one who's mom. just like the calm, like, <laughs> well, I'll be like going at it and she's just like kind of the voice being mature. Jess is the voice of reason. The voice of reason. I, I voice can of see reason. both sides to everyone. When we start. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like the one who's just like quiet and during a conversation just being a wallflower. So I say she's mostly mom in those situations. Josh lives more like a 40-year-old mom than we do. <laughs> but, but he'll, he'll also, Josh also. He'll surprise us. Well, we'll like if you're sick, Josh will take care of you. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's if you true. need something like Like that, a vitamin C or yeah, something. I love like some nurture. Sort of, that'll be, yeah, Josh will actually nurture but, I, but I, I do i do feel so bad for just having to deal with four male mm-hmm. egos yeah. all the time um i want to i one of the one of the people in this household a puppy because that's probably me so <laughs> a puppy yeah okay i'm probably the the, the loose cannon dog yeah probably, no. probably. That, that pisses no. all over the kitchen floor right. <laughs> yeah literally not even kidding you on the bus yes. i yell at him all the time to clean up his pee it's hard <laughs> okay. not even joking He's i have the this seat. problem when i'm sleeping we're like well, I drink like 14 bottles let's of just, water a day. Let's just scrap the story oh, this before important. you continue. This is important. I drink like 14 bottles of water a day, and then I'll go to, I'll go, uh, well, I'll go to bed at night or whatever, and I'll, have to, I'll wake up every really hour good idea. and a half, and I will, and I'll have to pee. But the problem is, so I'll go, I'll be like half asleep, so I'll pretty much just close my eyes, go to our bus bathroom, and just, you know, go, take a piss, and then I'll go back into my bunk and have this weird complex where I just peed. So now I need to drink water again because I don't want to be dehydrated. So then it's just repeats like repeats. Over again. And then it's like just pee starts adding up all of the seats. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I hate that, that was, quality about that. That was too much information, and we're so, going to continue on to the next. And, and who's, the and who's dad? Puppy. Who's dad? Who's the enforcer? Who's the, who's the bad cop? John. Ooh. Wait. I don't know. Uh, it's I, these used to be so. What easy is the for role of a father? <laughs> we're all from. Bre- well, actually, not all of us. John, by just no means, me. can be the father because. It's, I mean, think, look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's wearing suspenders and a bow tie. Why not? I don't know. I feel like Stephen <laughs> actually, Stephen holds down. Stephen is, in my opinion, the foundation that this band was built on. Like, mm. it, if Stephen hadn't picked up a bass, if Stephen picked up a deck of magic cards, you'd be wearing a trench coat and you'd be at GameStop right now. So you have to remember that. But the same, like, there's certain things like... Depends on what kind of there's, dad. Uh, yeah, and there's we're still, talking I mean, about. Even though, I've, even though I keep talking about how I've loosened up, there's still certain qualities I'll always have. Like, I'm still pretty OCD about being places on time and being outrageously organized. Like, if I'm always cleaning stuff and like, 
I don't leave shit around on the bus because it really stresses me out if not all my things are in one place. So I guess like even that though I loosen up, there's certain OCD qualities about me that make sure I want to that make me want to make sure everyone's on time, everyone is responding to this email. Yeah, that's everyone. true. Everyone. Yeah. So I guess maybe you. I think yeah. we've all found those qualities within us. If yeah. that makes sense. It's really hard to identify. Us it used to be as a lot easier. Members, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna do the second song break. Uh, if you guys need to take a potty break, we can do that, and then we're gonna go through the lightning round. And then we wrap this up. Cool. Awesome. Um, okay, so here we go. Th- but these are your songs now. We're going to talk about your songs. Cool. So give me the name of the song that is most misunderstood by fans. Mm-hmm. And why. Okay. Um, hold on. Is this from just our first two records? I no, any, uh, any song of yours that's... that's actually, Alternative, oh, alternative Press actually told us... Misunderstood okay, a song good. of ours. Yeah. Misunderstood a song awesome. of ours. Okay, let's do um, it. Fact check. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. This right. is how we live. This is how we live. Um, it was actually a, uh, it, what's, what's that word, what's that word I'm looking cheek. for? Tongue not, in, not tongue in word. cheek though, but there's, it's, it was a satire of, mm. um, well, let's start with what for your said. first tour. Let's start with what they what, okay. what it said. It, like all all press said something about it was reviewing the first album. Uh-huh. Said something about you, you know album's great. great. By the way, thank no, you. No, no, it's okay. It was a great. They said something about you know you know awesome album. This kind of thing down ho- home kind of kids. You can really feel like their you know sense of you know youth. This that the other. They felt what we feel like a misstep was in the song. This is how we live. Where they when they start talking about um, uh, where they start talking about. My, I bought a car and a new house. Heard I'm back in town. I bought a car, new house, and then kind of, you know, talking telling about telling all your friends are making and, millions and, and, now. And, and, telling all your friends are making millions now. Where the lyric is was supposed to be about coming home from tour, and everyone's like, "So you like a big rock star now?" And you're kind of like, "Wow, I just got off a tour." Yeah. So we and said, "So the lyric, the lyric fuck, was truly." On. If you got past it, the lyric was, um, "So you said." You heard I'm back in town, telling all your friends I'm making millions now. Got a car and a new house, but too bad, baby. Sarcastic. I'm leaving the city. No ifs, ands, or maybes. Driving me crazy. Half of the, the lyric in the second verse goes, "I got all my friends with me. Uh, an empty wallet doesn't seem half bad when you're living your dreams." I remember, yeah, so it I got think, misinterpreted. I think I think you guys yeah. thought the song was the, about being uh, rich. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> about it being went pompous. the other way. It went the other way. Um, Whereas, yeah, this is how we live was basically about us living on people's floors. <laughs> so that's one. That's number one misunderstood song, and we need two of these. Oh, is that what no, you're saying? That's another one. Uh, okay, you can give me another one. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I think oh, that's okay, the only okay, one okay, I can okay. really say. So, um, and uh, give me the song off of off of. Uh, I don't know if I'd be able to use this record. Um, give me the song that's changed the most from when it, it from where it started to where it ended up on album. Uh, and that's easy. Uh, and how it changed Thickest Thieves a song called Thickest Thieves mm-hmm. this demo started with a kind of almost like yeah. god I don't even it was like it's just a piano it was, it was just a piano in a room can't be piano like Beatles I think that on the record it now has like somehow this went from just piano to ukulele pizzicato, pizzicato string arrangement a, a sick moog beat. pedal bass a moog pedal bass and like a break beat an awesome <laughs> and then we played it live like we were Jimmy at World which was interesting too so yeah um Thickest Thieves is our, I guess, our biggest clusterfuck of a song. Yeah, it's basically you were asking is we tried song? to play it like the album version for this tour, and it just <laughs> was so bad. It's it true, it's true. By, by <laughs> if we were by we tried to play it as for on this tour, it was basically me and Pro Tools tried to play yeah. it on this tour. Yeah. There's too much there's going not, on. There's no, so, there's no way to play this song. Yeah. Thickest Thieves beginning to end, huge different. That's yeah. that's the if we had bit. the orchestra behind us. Then yes, and we maybe, maybe Jason Raz in his goofy hat and his ukulele yeah. standing in the corner <laughs> like a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe we could have played it live. I fucking hate his hats. <laughs> his hats are so goofy. 
So if you're asking which song was the biggest clusterfuck, yes, we're going with biggest thieves. thieves. So thick this thieves. is how okay. we live. The misinter- misinterpreted song about living on people's floors and thickest thieves. The song that still doesn't make any sense to us. Her door, I'm sleeping tonight on another floor. Cause when life's too fast, I take a longer road. I dust off my shoes and my dirty clothes. So you heard I'm back in town. Telling all your friends I'm making millions now. Got a car and a new house. Too bad, baby, I'm leaving the city. No, it fans are maybe driving me crazy. This is how we live.
All right, lightning round. Um, usually I do this with like one person, so I have to modify this a little bit for, for a band. So this may apply, some of these things may apply to you guys together on tour as a collective unit um, on some things. So, um, but some of these uh, are going to be individual questions. So you just, we'll just go around the circle and we'll start, we'll keep it consistent for the listener. So Brian, we'll start with you and we'll just over to Josh. Um, okay, so here we go. Some of these are rote but they're to officially get these things on record. So hopefully you will never be asked these questions by a blogger again. I hope so. <laughs> won't, won't work. Is one of these questions fine. like, would you rather be a taxi cab or an astronaut? Because I get weird questions from Really? <laughs> That's, that is actually... Can we put that one to that bed? Is, we could, we could, would you like to be a taxi cab or, or an astronaut? <laughs> Not taxi cab driver, but the actual taxi cab. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's, that That's to me, is the thesis to about half of bloggers' con- uh, <laughs> questions. <laughs> would you rather be a bloody blah or a bloody blah? It's like... <laughs> Okay. Well, that's the state of journalism in schools. Um, okay, here we go. Ready? Uh, this is easy. Favorite color? Blue. How you? Oh, sorry. John. Well, well, blue. Green. Purple. Opaque. Fuck you. <laughs> I was expecting teal, but okay. Uh, okay, this individual. Favorite movie? The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Brick. Inglorious Bastards. Cruel Intentions. I can't answer that. What? Okay, wow. I truly can't pick a favorite. You're pleading the fifth this one thing. One thought, sorry. That's okay. First one that comes to your mind every time. Okay, here we go. This is a little bit, but we've got to hear why. All right, a little bit on why. Sorry, here we go, individually. Um, And this this would kind of work great after your 13-month tour excursion. Your favorite place to recharge. I'm going to give you the categories. Here we go. Oceans, mountains, uh, grasslands, be like, you know, Midwest stuff. Uh, Desert, forests, suburbia, or cities. Um, I wish I could say oceans. It's probably cities. I re- recharge now in California, and I that's for that's kind of a sanctuary place for me. So, uh, I recharge in the desert. I love Arizona. Born and raised, I love like hiking around there. I have like so many good friends there. I have a place there. Love my roommates. Love everything. So I go back to normal world Arizona. Quiet, slow desert. I'm the same desert. Um. I really love just like driving around at night and just driving past like, you know, my old high school and yeah, yeah. just places that like conjure up memories, you know, from before we started touring. I'm the same way. Desert, obviously growing up, born and raised, that's home base. So that's where you kind of recharge and feel the most relaxed and at home, obviously. I enjoy it, but it's a, it's a love hate relationship because I do love home and I, I, I certainly need it to recharge my batteries, but there's also you know, the huge blessing of travel that we have as a band. And there's so many cities now that I'm obsessed with and love. Mm. And every time I go there, I like just want to go look around and be a tourist. So for relaxation, yes, the desert, but it's bittersweet because you hate it after a while and you're ready to get out and see new places and do new things. Yeah, I had to. Yeah. Favorite country that you've toured in? Australia. Uh, Philippines. Mm-hmm. Australia. Philippines. Uh, England, the UK. Two Philippines, why? Well, I'm actually, my family, my mom's family's from the Philippines. Okay. So I have huge family. I'm pretty sure I'm related to most of the Philippines. We are convinced yeah, yeah, yeah. Jess might <laughs> be the queen of the Philippines. I could probably be the queen of the Philippines. Yes, I could I could be the president of the Philippines. Jess's, Jess's family's from there, and we, we've only had the pleasure of doing one uh, set of shows there, and it was just like the most welcomed they I've ever us, felt. They treated us like the, was, the, the Beatles. Or it was so cool, man. Yeah, I mean, they're they they're incredible the, fans. Some of the biggest shows we've ever played. Some of the biggest yeah, shows we've ever played. Like we and fucking Bon Jovi. Yeah, <laughs> incredible fans. They're just like the sweetest people. 
Okay, the, the, the van or bus junk food of choice. Don't say this. Don't answer this because <laughs> we get too much of it already. Yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. Because you tweeted it out. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Uh, Good breath. Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies uh, dipped in peanut butter. Oh, God. I mean, honestly, it doesn't, does it have to be junk food? Because I don't really... No, don't actually, well, okay, why don't I we mean, balance it out? Well, well yeah, because that's what I was going to say. My, Kim, we, what's the healthy food? We're for all the, healthy. What do I like? To, I don't really... I, keep the, I don't keep like snacking on junk food. I like... Uh, I like... My main thing is like raw almonds, like Blue Diamonds, awesome flavor stuff, but I'm not interested. Just like raw almonds. I love I have raw almonds, peanut butter, and I like apples. Microwave burritos. Steven does like junk food. <laughs> the rest of us are pretty... I will eat nerdy. a whole avocado that yeah. by itself. Yeah. I yeah. love avocado. Honestly, um, people bring us nothing but terrible foods all the time, which are always welcomed. I mean, oh, you never like... love them, yeah. You never get a, a bag of... mom right now. You never yeah, get yeah. a bag of Oreos and go, oh, you know, screw you. It's yeah. like, oh, thank you. But, yeah, bring us... Avocados I mean, and yeah. not thirty well, cliff bags of, bars or yeah, like cliff bar, those like, naked bars. You no, know, maybe great. maybe just like something that I isn't wish, bad for but you. But my weakness, like, my weakness is hot Cheetos. I will yes. say that. I, I just, just really wish fans would like bring me a peanut butter and jelly. Sandwich. Anytime, anytime I get like, anytime I, I we get like flaming, like flaming, like all these like junk food. I just want to look, look at some of these kids and be like, I hope. I hope you're not eating this stuff. I hope that you know that this is bad. You should see oh, what they I teach that in school. The gar like, and by garbage, I just am such a cliche, and I hate it, and I know. But I mean, the stuff I buy at the grocery store is so ridiculous. No, yeah, I know. it's so pretentious. But to be honest, I had pizza the other night. And my stomach hurt for two days. Yeah. <laughs> so, such um, type of fan, type of fan, like characteristics of a fan that you guys like. Mm. The newfound bro dudes at Somerset shows. Um, they rage. I like, I love uh, the, the, the just calm. Like, I like just calm, relaxed, because, like, it's hard to produce, like, a reaction, like, oh, hey, good to see you, too. Every time you see someone, so I love people, like, hey, what's up? I really like the show. I really like the music. And you're just like, wow, thank you very much. I might ask a question, a follow up question after that if they approach in a like, calm fashion. Moms that hang out at the bar. <laughs> you took mine. You took mine. <laughs> me and Jess. Me, me and we, Steven are... On we, AP tour, we used to have what we call mom meet and greets. Yes. And we'd just go to the bar, the venues, and, and just moms just... hang out just, with the moms. They'd buy us drinks. drinks. They'd be like, oh, <laughs> you're in friends. the band? My daughter loves your band. We're just like, yeah, we'll take some drinks for that. <laughs> that sounds great. So the moms and the dads... So I've, we've been meeting some dads recently, too. And it's They've nice talking cool. to some older so people true. when yeah. you're yeah, surrounded yeah, by... I know a, we have a list of parents across the country who we know and hang out with. Uh, there's one gentleman, Steve Six, who's an actual legend. Yeah, he's a legend. People Dude's a legend. tell tales He is of a him. Philadelphia legend. Yeah. Us, Rockets, <laughs> the Moon, so many bands just know him. And any night you're with Steve Six, you're done. Yeah. You're, you're blacked out. out. <laughs> it is always bad news. Great fan. Um, type of fan that you don't like. Mm. And you're not insulting him, so this is kind of like, yeah, saying, yeah, like the, thing that, like, the thing that irritates you. Like, oh, yeah, I'm like, trying to think. This is like constructive criticism. To yeah, me. totally. I mean, I, my, pet, I, I, my pet peeve, I'm just, I just, to be totally honest, is like, we're still human beings, so I don't really like, like, I like coming and going out after every show if I can, taking pictures, signing, having any conversation with anyone, but like, I'm not a puppet. Like, I don't really want to get on your shoulders and take a picture. Mm -hmm. So, like, mm -hmm. 
I love that the, the that mutual respect with like I'm a human being, you're a human being. Let's be real. I don't exactly want to wear your hat because I don't necessarily know where. Yeah, it's wear at. my hat. Can we have a funny picture? A, a funny picture. picture. Fine with. There's a line, Just, but there is definitely a little. But bit like of a line. when you when you're when you have a line of uh, thirty people waiting to talk yeah, to yeah, you, exactly. and it's you know fifteen degrees outside, and this person wants Which, four four separate photos mm-hmm. of four separate poses and then a phone call and then it's just like and the, that that's what i was going to say to go off your point my uh, one of my pet peeves is is um there's some there's some people who just like take up a lot of the time and it's and a lot of times it's people who you see a lot and faces that you recognize a lot you're not necessarily having having gotten to that point of like a real friendship which has happened there have been some people yeah, who started like men who actually totally friends are friends with but then there's some you know who you see a lot and are familiar faces and then they just take up a lot, a lot of your time, a lot of your time, a lot of your time, a lot of your time. And there's other people who are new, who have never met us before, and they want a picture. That I don't like that. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of hard. It's to kind of like if, if I, if we are really, like I know I see you a lot at shows, but if we were truly, truly friends, I probably would have texted you. You probably would be on the bus hanging out if we were. But like you're, it's that awkward line between really familiar fan and not friend. Like kind of like, hey, do you want like let's do a picture quick? If you see me back by the trailer alone, we can talk. But right now. I'm doing this, obviously. So let me sign. Hmm. Okay, I, and I'm just gonna drop the heavy card just to <laughs> just to do it. Josh because... is about to say something about how he hates signing shoes. <laughs> well, yeah, I've always really disliked signing people's ugly, dirty, sweat-filled shoes. But that is that is chilled out ever since like the scene band phases have kind of phased out. But but on a real level, um, when I, I try to read every letter we receive um, because people took the time out of their day to write you a letter and be honest with you. Um, we love our fans. We are there for our fans. And if people have issues, please feel help, free yeah. to share. Um, but there's, there's a difference when people have severe emotional problems and they come to you and you try and guide them in the right direction. Like we have to write love on her arms on our tour right now. And we're all huge advocates of that. And there's a certain level of responsibility a person has to take for themselves Mm -hmm. and their own issues. So when you're going through any sort of self harm or a mental crisis and you want to open up to a band, absolutely do that. But if you keep, singling out a specific band member and going to that person over and over and over and over and over and over and over again with your problems. Or you're not. You have to understand that that's a musician, not a certified healthcare specialist. And that that just, it, it's not something I hate, but it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to see you suffer, but I'm also not a doctor. And mm-hmm. you have to take the initiative to go out there and get help on your own terms. Exactly. And that's why we have people like Trey Love and Arms and stuff like on tour on our to kind of like be right. like, hey, yeah. this is the And direction it's frustrating because we're like talking about it on stage. They're on tour with us. It's like, reach out. They're here for a reason. Exactly. We've, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've I want to see people. I want to hear success stories. Yeah. More I than hear like success the, stories. I'm broken. I'm broken, which is, you know, you said try to lead them in the right direction I think, uh, of how to get help. But I love, we have received some letters that people were like, hey, I'm doing great now, and those are the, oh, that's those the most are rewarding. The I love that. I those are the greatest. So I love that. Like I read every time I hear those, like I stop everybody. I'm like, you need to hear. Yeah, those. it's great. We, I love that. So, um, uh, so without offending, uh, you know, other uh, fellow bandmates uh, elsewhere, um, if you had to. Um, if you know, like you hear about this on Warped Tour all the time, like somebody's bus breaks down, and then like another band will stop their bus and pick up that band and pull them on theirs. And uh, so, if you had um, 
uh, like a posse of and uh, of like other bands that would you would hang on your bus. So you had the biggest bus in the world. Yeah, and yeah. You had other bands like your mm-hmm. uh, who would who would normally be on that bus with you? The Cab, uh, Rocket to the Moon, the Cab, Rocket to the Moon, All Time Low, All Time Low. I like them. I love Go Radio. They're such oh nice yeah, Go Radio. Just, we just met Go Radio. Uh, Instant Paradise Friends. Fears oh, as well a lot now. Um, Ann Arbor. The downtown fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big bus. We a big love bus. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is there? It's just hard when you, a lot of these bands we're talking about, we've just toured with a lot. It's just like hard to not become friends with Mid-A people, parade. right? Mid-A, Mid-A, Mid-A parade. Mid-A. We actually in shared crowd. a bus with Mid-A parade. Yeah, we did. We did share a bus with Mid-A parade. Weird in crowd. <laughs> What do, you just, what do you what do you here's a little bit of a serious note um <clears throat> what do you what do you do if you're on a tour with a band that you don't get along with how do you how do you professionally that's like can you be professional about I mean, it but you know what i mean like it's always nice it's easy to say oh we're gonna be professional about it, but you know it's like yeah. it's very competitive I mean, with some artists yeah, can't be all, without without dropping the, the, right, the names, name of said right. band i really can only think of one experience where this has ever happened we were in australia and when you do sound wave your group with like three or four other bands so you fly together you share a dressing room together every single day and uh mm. one of the bands we were with like kind of kept just getting i mean we drink we're, we we have a good time they were just getting kind of pushing the line a little bit and then, destroying well, I remember one, dressing room destroying a mirror in a dressing room just and i was like this. we're like the baby bands on sound wave we are not limp biscuit don't fucking destroy and limp biscuit isn't destroying like, the mirrors either <laughs> The most professional thing we could do is we told our little, our sanctioned tour manager of our group was like, hey, we don't want to share a dressing room with this band anymore because we don't want this to look bad upon us. So that's kind of the I way guess we you kind of push it aside, it. dismiss it. You, you be friendly and where, you just don't where talk friendly is. And you just don't talk, yeah. I guess. Or, yeah, okay. or you do There's, and you just talk friendly. Fortunately, <clears throat> fortunately for us, I, I mean, I've genuinely gotten along with every single band we've ever toured with. Yeah. Much. We are all, we're such an eclectic band of different personalities So someone that be- when, you, when you're on tour with other other bands, other people can be like, oh my god, I'm totally like the Steven of this band or the John of this band or the Jess <laughs> yeah, or the like Brian Steve or the Yeah, like will become friends with a band that maybe no one else does or like we or all like be, all be like, friends with yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. everyone will find it. We'll find a way to click somehow. We always okay, do. Okay, round the circle again individually. Cool. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Extrovert. Introvert. Introvert. Extra. Wow. Okay. Um, what's what is the uh, what's the series the the TV series that would be on the bus TV uh, late at night that would be constantly playing? How about your mother? Uh, yeah. How about your mother? How about your mother? Okay. Uh, it's a easy. Yeah, we all love that. <laughs> okay. Hilarious. Here we go. Favorite stiff drink. Uh, ooh, I have to pick one. Yeah. Um, scotch. Any, uh, preferably a nice one, not something shitty. Jameson. Bourbon. Bourbon. Uh, I'm not much of a drinker anymore, but when I do, I drink a uh, very girly drink. So I'll have like a Moscow Mule, which is absolutely fabulous, I just have to say. <laughs> See, the fact that I you described you. it with fabulous is, it is exactly just what is so it? refreshing. So it's what is just, it? It is, um, it's ginger beer, which is a mm. non-alcoholic beverage with uh, vodka and lime juice. That's good. And it's just delightful. It's actually really good. That or a Tom Collins with gin is just very nice. Scotch neat. Give me that shit. Yep. Okay. Well, you guys will be getting a lot of this stuff, I'm sure now. I hope um, so. <laughs> favorite item of clothing you'd wear every day if you could get away with it? Um, Mickey Mouse sweatshirt, and I do get away with it. Uh, bow tie and suspenders, which I'm currently getting away with <laughs> and uh, looking great while doing it. So, T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, soon just like t-shirts. Honestly, just soccer shorts. So comfortable. <laughs> I have a Earth, Wind, and Fire shirt from 1988, um, <laughs> the year I was born. And Ro- even Rory Felton from the Militia Group commented on my Instagram the other day going, wow, not wearing the Earth, Wind, and Fire shirt. 
I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, and I, I'll wear it every day. Um, again, not to get you guys in trouble, but um, every play, every time you go out on tour, you say, we got to play that, um, uh, mm. or, you, or at least you would like to play that. Um, favorite club to play in? Favorite venue? Oh, that one's hard. You can go worldwide with this. They want me worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's an inside joke. <laughs> I mean, it's a little tricky because some of the favorite venues we've played so far were when we were opening, like yeah. venues. So there was, I don't think on our own we wouldn't be able to play there yet. But uh, that's okay. God, like Shepherd's Bush Empire in London was the coolest. We played three yeah, nights there, all sold sure. out with all time low. And so th- credit to those guys for selling it out. But oh my God, it's the cool three. It's cool show. The Eagles um, Ballroom at the Rave is awesome. Oh, yeah. The Rave is such a fun venue to play because mm-hmm. there's spooky ghosts and just all sorts of weird knickknacks. Yeah, it's just... a cool venue. Um, I'd say one we played last night and it was like the big, best experience yeah. I ever had at the Crowfoot, Crowfoot. in Detroit. It, just, some... it, was, it was because, why it's my favorite to play is because we played the top room, which is like a 200 cap right when we started mm-hmm. and uh, there was like maybe 70 people there and we were stoked about that but there was no show in the downstairs room. And the downstairs room is like a thousand cap and we all walked on the stage before that, and we're just like, wow, wouldn't it be cool? And this is, I'm 17 at this point. We're all super to young. Open a show. I was like, wouldn't it be cool to at least like play on this stage? Imagine if we could open a show there. Then AP Tour, I believe it was, our first time opening on the stage. And we're like, guys, remember when we said that we want to play a stage? Now we're, we're playing on the stage. We're on AP Tour. Then last night, we went. We played to 900 people there, our own headlining show. And it was like, Holy shit! Crazy. For a third time, yeah. <laughs> sounds pretty cool. What about yeah. you, Steven? Mm. I I uh, I agree that yeah, just, be, just yeah. because yeah. of the, the like, connection. Just, yeah. connection. I, I, I really like the just because it's in uh, downtown Disney is the House of Blues, Anaheim, mm-hmm. or Orlando. Mm-hmm. Just because mm-hmm. it's in Disney World, oh, yeah, that's Disney love that. That's really great. awesome one too. Cool. Is um, there another? And I, I mean, I just I wish we got to play more shows at the Troubadour in in L.A. It's my favorite L.A. venue. I just I like the Troubadour. We've played there. We've only played there twice ever. It's just why a small is that your club. favorite L.A. venue? Oh, I just like going to shows there. It's just so it sounds like it. so good. I like it's it good too. Town. It's the best. It's I love for the. It's my favorite small club in the entire like it's really small club in the entire country. Mm. It's like a four hundred cap, but it's my favorite one. Um, okay. Every band has that inside joke that if you're on the bus long enough on a tour, you'll hear them say it's a phrase usually, or it's like kind of it's like a wise crack or something. So what is yours currently? <laughs> uh, it changes from tour to tour. Yeah. yeah. I think it's easier for us to say what someone else's is before admitting our own. I don't I'm really know. Think. I think what I don't the... know what I say repeatedly without, I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one. I know there's one. You know the one that you, like you, you, the band yeah. says, and the person that's on the bus is a guest, like ha ha, and they don't really get it. Yeah. Like, you know they're trying to laugh along. You said one earlier. You said that they want me worldwide. Oh, yeah. that's. Yeah. I mean, our our UK tour manager Nick is <laughs> so funny. Oh my person. god! And our merch our merch guy over there, Ellis, and then we have I guess you could call him an assistant, sometimes <laughs> merch guy Paul. They're the funniest, the funniest people, people I've ever met in the world. And but, there's, so there's just so many wisecracks. Yeah, like, there's this but then we'll bring him back the Bono to the U.S. One. or whatever. We'll bring him back there's, to the, Oh, yeah, that's, what, that's one that people we'll bring, know. We'll bring, him back, we'll bring him back to the U.S. like we just got back from the U.K. <laughs> tour straight to this. And we're <laughs> on our bus like kind of still like repeating the same inside so jokes they want with our U.K. Wo- crew, and no one here gets what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. So they want me worldwide. <laughs> another <laughs> one. What's another one? Uh, one that's day. right now is uh, Charity Day. It's just we're all talking about Bono or something. So Apparently everybody except for me hates Bono. It's a funny joke. I think it's a... I think it's like a fairly popular joke. I think like I think like South Park's even had to go at everyone's had to go at Bono. But like we were talking on a long drive in the UK, so sometimes we'll just we we'll sing. It's a charity day. I'm giving all my money away. It's a big charity day. 
Like, oh, I we'll just drive. We'll like sing. We'll just yeah. go like, it's a charity day. Yeah. And everyone's just like, what are you talking about? We're just cracking up. We rewrote uh, "Beautiful Day." We rewrote "Beautiful Day" by YouTube about how Bono just likes giving away his money <laughs> and talking about it all the time. Um, we also I, our uh, our tour manager uh, Alex Kossov, He uh, every single day on the day sheet and even on our set list and on the John's all of John's uh, pedals and everything <laughs> is trying to convince John that he spells his name wrong and it writes out J O N on he everything spells his name J O H N and. On all of our day sheets and everything, just spells. Oh John yeah, wrong, trying to convince John that his name is spelled wrong. And then so also, I think people probably walk on our bus and they see things that says John. It's like so on our set list, he'll change it into like someone like John, but all of them are spelled wrong. Like boys, fuck you, John. Fuck you, John. Fuck you, John. <laughs> so instead of Chelsea, it just says it's John. 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 But it's always it's spelled wrong. Our tour manager gets John a he lot really of shit. He really picks awesome on me a lot because we love it when people kind of bring John back down to <laughs> individually. Favorite time of year? Summer. Fall. Fall. Um. Summer. Winter. Winter. For Christmas. Ah. Okay. I should say winter. My birthday and Christmas are in winter. Favorite piece of rock and roll memorabilia that you now currently own? Oh. Could uh, be a seven inch. It could be something like that, too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have every Bruce Springsteen record on vinyl. Uh, Deja. I got it in the mail. I like pre- We pre ordered it, so I got Deja on 10 brand new. On vinyl or just, oh, no, the, no, CD? just the, the CD? Oh, okay. I inherited my parents' vinyl collection, so I have. Everything from the Beatles to the Doobie Brothers to oh my, it's just fa- yeah. it's yeah. fantastic. I'm the same way my, my parents. Same, my dad, my dad recently opened. But that you have up a lot too. of new records. What's your? I do have a lot of records in vinyl. I, I have I have I think every single Bright Eyes album on vinyl. I love it's kind of your Color of and I have a bunch of weird a like lot. Smashing Pumpkins posters and stuff from Japan tours and all sorts. A of cool packs. Whiskey Town vinyl. That's yeah. like it's it's see through vinyl. It's pretty mm, cool. Yeah. Um, give me the biggest myth about the band. Oh. Uh, Besides the pop punk thing. God, another one? A myth. I'm, I'm, I'm running dry on this one. We're a pretty open book. Um, well, the pop, that we're a pop punk band, but that's not really a, a myth. That's just kind of, I think, a name everyone likes not. to throw around all, way too much. Um... Mm. I laugh because I think a lot of people don't know how long we've actually been around. I think a lot of people associate us with being very new, and I guess we are. But we, me and Jess and John, have been playing together for eleven years, and yeah. we've been the Somerset since two thousand five. It's six years now. I think a lot of people think we just just yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, a lot of people think we just started. But I, yeah. to me, that's kind of a good feeling. I like the idea that like we're about to put our third not a sidetrack, but. We're on our third record, and for me, it kind of feels like the first one all over again because we're on like a new label, and we're just yeah. really working really hard. But uh, I laugh all the time. Thank you. You sound great. I laugh all the time because, like, at one point, all five of us were vegetarian. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a big and, myth. And my favorite is when like Stephen, who's like now the extreme opposite of that. Every, like he'll tweet like a burgers. fucking he'll just tweet a picture of a burger and he'll always just get backlash from fans like you're eating a burger you're not vegetarian dude this was like three years ago <laughs> yeah, asshole yeah, yeah. just never be part of any sort of PETA survey people kind don't of forget. thing people, people, don't don't forget. people don't forget people don't forget most awkward fan recognition moment as in like <laughs> you're someplace and somebody recognizes oh. you and you didn't really plan uh, them to um, recognize you there I uh there's this tiny little um I just well I I just moved from Arizona to LA recently and there's this 
tiny little breakfast place that is my favorite place in the entire world that's like by the Scientology Center and in like a weird neighborhood where like it's really tiny and no one goes it's literally the size of this room and <laughs> I go there like three or four times a week and eat breakfast with a friend of mine and I remember one day I'm in there hungover as all hell like I stayed up till 6.30 in the morning I look like shit I haven't showered my eyes look like they're bleeding and of course these three girls for some reason are walking up and down the street like I guess they found out later they went to school there or whatever and they they, they, they walk past or whatever and I'm just kind of standing in the window with like five friends of mine and they walk past and then they kind of double check and then they're all of a sudden they've walked past like six or seven times i'm looking around at my friends and my friends are a little older than me so i know that if these girls come in i'm gonna about to get made fun of for a really long time <laughs> and they finally come inside and the one girl just starts like squealing and i'm just like just the most embarrassed i've ever been because i want i look like shit and we're in like i'm basically in silver lake around a bunch of hipsters who basically now just think i'm an asshole <laughs> and pretty much i take the picture with these three girls and then i at we played chain reaction a week ago and the girl came and said oh, i was no the way. girl like came to, uh, yeah, i found you at square one i was like don't tell anybody else about my hiding place i had um uh, you just did i was driving i was driving i said the name it's not called that I was driving around uh, around my house like in, in Tempe like on my way home and I listen to music like way too loud in my car and I stop at this four-way stop right before my house and my window's down like everything I'm jamming and the girl who's crossing the street in front of me is wearing a Somerset baseball shirt. John's probably listening to NSYNC. Yeah, yeah, probably blasting NSYNC. And it was one. It was like a. I like stop. She starts walking in front of my car. She has like a, she has like an oh shit bro moment, and I have like a, oh shit bro, and she's kind of like oh shit bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm like, oh! <laughs> and then we just like yeah, we just kept driving. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I just can't imagine that with like you and your goofy car. Yeah, your car that looks like you stole. <laughs> I know it's kind of ghetto. I think mine was out of bar called harvard and stone with oh, brian that was with me and we were out harvard stone's like in my front yard yeah yeah so it's born la and we were drinking being awful people and <laughs> there was like two girls in the corner and like we we were like they were like like they were 15s like you didn't know if they were cute or not like but 15s is uh like, we don't rank people on a one to ten scale anymore it's a 15s it's like that point in blackjack where you're you not sure if you want to hit it or not so these girls are total 15s <laughs> And we're and and we were thinking about Jesus. the whole night. We were debating like whether or not to go talk to them, and um and some other dudes like swooped in, swooped in. We were like, oh, f- fuck it, like we'll just leave. So we went back to our friend's house, and uh, our our friend Randall said something about like, yo, those girls need to be rescued, and he said it pretty loud, so they they overheard it. And we go back to Brandon's house, and this girl tweets me and Brian and says, where was the rescue? This girl follows, follows oh, our whole not. band on Twitter. These girls. These girls. After we leave the bar, these girls tweeted, tweeted Stephen us. and I saying, like, basically, say, like, where was the rescue? Because, anyways, so, so we ended up tweeting them back, like, direct message. You went, them. you tweeted back. I went oh, to bed no. and got out of the they, situation. They came quickly. over. They came over to our oh, friend's house. No. And, um, like, they were just like, obnoxiously drunk and loud it was like the dumb worst thing i've ever done <laughs> i went to sleep around, around the point where i knew that like, i was like this is there's nothing good that is going to happen 
from this point <laughs> forward. So I went to sleep and tapped out of that story. They were, they were just obnoxious. Mine was, um, I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and the hostess was about to seek me and my friend, and she kind of looks back at me. She goes, has anyone ever told you that you look like Jess Bowen from the Somerset? <laughs> and I literally looked at my friend, and my, we're like confused. Like, I'm like, is this girl mocking me? Is she just like trying to start something? And I, so I was just Chill, like, bitch. I didn't know what to say. I was just like, Chill, bitch. that's I mean, I was like, yeah, I mean, well, I, I am. And she like threw the menus in the air, got all crazy, like, no way, like freaking out, like super fangirl. But I was Whoa. like, so thrown off by this. I'm convinced nobody even knows I'm in this band. <laughs> because nope, never, never, ever, ever does anyone ever like sometimes So that's in, your awkward fan moment. Oh, no. The, no, the no, non-fan moment. Well, no, I never being recognized. It's, it's, like, it's like I walk in and I'm like, hey guys, I'm here, I'm in a band, I have thirty thousand followers on Twitter, and they're like <laughs> No one cares. <laughs> It's really funny, but actually, I mean, I'll leave a movie theater and they'll be, because I go to the same movie theater all the time in Arizona, and they'll be like, hey, love your band. You're always at my movie theater. And I just responded. It wasn't even like a, hey, can you, I get a you picture? You usually buy yourself, so they think you're a loser. Yeah. It's true. I go to movies by myself. I, I love that it. So, yeah, they think oh. I'm a loser. And I just responded back without even trying to be cool, like, oh, want to autograph a picture? I was like, no. Hook up free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now I gotta, now I gotta hook up. Nice. Well, this has been awesome, guys. I really cool. appreciate your time hanging out with us today, and I uh, wish you guys the best of luck with the launch of this record. It comes out April fifteenth, sixteenth, fifteenth in the UK. Yes. Um, and uh, you'll be on Warp Tour all summer. What's your plans for the fall? Can you even talk about it yet? We don't we have actually have any. any. We don't have anything wow. to even lie about. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, maybe you'll be uh, at your I favorite. Heard, I heard diner. Celine Dion's doing a residency in Vegas. Still, we're trying to open. Yep. So. It seems like everybody's doing a residency in Vegas. Pretty soon, we're trying to do a residency. Brittany's going to do one there, and uh, wow, Celine Dion's going to be there. there. Look, it doesn't even have to be on. The, we can be on the old strip where no one gives a fuck. I Just love give the us old a strip. residency. In Drinks Vegas. are cheaper. Girls are easier. It's great. <laughs> Give us the old strip. Lots of 15s, I take it. Tons of 15s. Blackjack and in real life. So nothing for this fall, but yeah, um, Legendary 416. Um, Warped Tour this summer. That's about it. Thanks. Well, this is awesome. Thanks, guys, for coming. Thank you guys so much. We love you. Later. All right. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 